right, everybody, how you doing? Welcome to Universal Dialect. I'm with a very special guest, really good friend of mine. You know what I mean? Um, he initially interviewed me last year for experiences that I've had. Um, and uh, it was very cathartic to me, and I appreciate him doing that. Um, he has his own show called The Confessionals, amongst other projects, which we'll get into. Uh, welcome, Tony Merkel of The Confessionals and newly Merkel Media. How you doing, my man? Yeah. Hey, man, I'm doing good. Newly public Merkel Media. I had Merkel oh, Media for, uh, I think, two years now. And since 2019, I think. And um, I just started talking about it more publicly. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been a wild ride, brother. Yeah, you didn't you didn't you had you were telling us about it, but it didn't officially happen until recently, until this year, I believe. Correct. Yeah, well, no, it's like I've been in operation for a while. Just when I started Merkel Media, it was only for me producing other people's podcasts. And so I would reach out to like high profile individuals and say, hey, you got a great message. You need a podcast. That's where I can help you. And we partner together and and do that. And so I started a company doing that stuff. And then uh, I recently have you know been transitioning into also doing uh, documentaries. So now I'm plugging that in underneath Merkle Media. So now Merkle Media is turning into you know, more of a, an actual media company uh, where I do a lot of different things with it. And uh, since I'm now doing a bunch of different things, I'm talking about the company more. But uh, originally, the idea was just to keep it on the DL, man. Like I, I was like, I don't want people knowing about it. I just want to be left alone where I, I just wanted to, you know, the legalities, Merkel media was an LLC and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of transitioning right now. I'm trying to, I guess, build a, some kind some kind of empire. We'll see what happens. Well, I mean, it starts somewhere, right? You got to start yeah. somewhere. So uh, we'll see what happens in the future. But Tony, listen, um, talk to me about your origin because people that know, you know, you have this podcast called the confessionals. You have individuals that contact you to tell you that they have experiences and then you pick and choose, I guess, whatever piques your interest. And then you'll call them up like you did with me and then have a conversation and then an interview will ensue. So when did this all start? Well, tell me the origin, excuse me, first of Tony Merkel. Where were you born, raised? Um, don't spare any details and how you got into this field, if you don't mind. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I think it was early 1985 my mom had sex and uh, <laughs> that's cool that, that, that's a year before the Mets won the World Series I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Actually, uh, yeah a year before yeah sorry go ahead <laughs> so yeah I mean I, I was born in uh, Allentown Pennsylvania and um, when I was about five years old my parents moved from Allentown to uh, Kutztown PA which is a very rural area uh, Kutztown itself is a college town, but on the outside, it's just a bunch of farm fields, Pennsylvania Dutch. And I lived on the outside in a, tra in a big trailer park. Uh, if you, if you want, you've heard, everybody's heard the phrase trailer trash. That was me. Like I was, I was like the, the, the picture perfect image of trailer trash kid, you know, like, I mean, it was just, it was the life, you know? And, um, we, I spent about 10 to 12 years. I can never remember, but it's like 10 to 12 years of my childhood in this trailer park. And uh, there was a lot of social struggles uh, living in the trailer park. Um, I was not I was not the most uh, popular kid, the, the the kid that I was the kid that kid, kids picked on, you know. And so uh, it was um, it, it, it it put me in a position where you take friends when you got them and you learn how to live life without them, you know. And that's something that set me up for the rest of my life where, and not in a great way either. Like I never socially developed in the sense of 
having friends. I don't have a ton of friends. I have a lot of acquaintances. A lot of people know who I am, but I don't have a ton of friends. And it's more my fault because I don't know how to have friendships with people long term. Like people just kind of filter in and out of my life. Uh, and that all stems from my childhood. Um, so with that, uh, we lived in a big, big trailer park between two even larger cornfields and woods. And sometimes me and other kids would be talking about, you know, Bigfoot and these these werewolves and stuff like that. And uh, what caught our interest was the Loch Ness Monster. And so we we would uh, talk about that and how we're going to, you know, one day go find it and, and kill it and, you know, prove that it's it's real. Uh, then, you know, at times I'd find myself in the woods by myself and I'd be walking through the woods and I'd feel that sense that something's looking at me. But I don't know. I don't know if, it, if something was or not, but I had that sense. And the idea of Bigfoot was just something that was always in the back of my mind growing up as a kid. Uh, as I got older, um, changed towns, we went to even more of a, a redneck town, uh, but, but they were nicer to me there. So that was nice. My high school years were, were pretty peaceful. And um, I had uh, I went through high school got into sports and stuff like that really got out of what I do now, but I got married young. So I, at 21, I got married and I found myself, uh, living a married life when all my friends were partying and having fun and going out and doing crazy stuff. I was just, I was going to work and enjoying my time with my wife and staying in, you know, and, uh, but probably by the time I was 24, 25, I, I was getting bored, you know, and I, I, I just needed something else. And so, uh, around that time, I started watching that TV show that was on, uh, I think, History Channel called Monster Monster Quest. Yeah, and, a good show. Yeah, I, I it just kind of like I, I started watching it and it just reminded me of all these fascinations I had as a kid. And I just slowly started getting into it. Like I would bring it up. I was coaching college basketball at the time and I would bring it up to the players or my the fellow coaches and you know, bring up these topics and they're like, you're crazy. It's stupid. I can't believe you believe that. I'm like, well, I don't know if I believe it. And then it transitions to like, yeah, I think it's real. I mean, and, uh, you know, the conversation ensues from there. Uh, but that was kind of like the genesis of my interest in these paranormal cryptid conspiratorial type topics as an adult. And, um, and then I, I started driving truck again and I just, started listening to different podcasts while I'm driving and it just, the fascination grew from there. Um, I had started a pot or a, a, um, a Facebook group about Bigfoot and just started dabbling in the industry, man. And, uh, turned, turns out I, I started a podcast in 2017 and, um, pretty quickly I got, I started getting emails from people of their experiences and it just kind of snowballed from there. And here we are five years later and, doing this full time and having a blast so yeah so you, you say you were a truck driver did you get that from your dad because i believe your dad was a truck driver as well so was that something he passed yeah. down to you kind of or? he didn't want to he right. didn't want to but uh so i didn't graduate college okay. and i was in debt uh i didn't know what to do with my life i didn't have any particular skills or interests outside of basketball which wasn't paying the bills and so <laughs> At like I was like 21 and I got my CDL and I started driving and I would go in and out of driving throughout my 20s right. until I I was like I think I was like 28 when I when I called my dad up and I was like dad 
I need to get back into driving and I need to get into a serious company that is going to be a landing spot for me. And I asked him to recommend me to the company he works for. And he did. And I got in and, you know, I, I spent about eight years there right. driving truck. And uh, it, it was it was a uh, it was really good in the sense that it provided an environment for me to um, progress financially in my life for the first time and uh, also gave me the opportunity to be completely alone most of my day where I got a chance to just think and plan and, uh, you know, pull at the pull at the strings of ideas and kind of see what they become and then execute on those ideas. So I, I owe a lot to driving truck in the sense of where I'm at now, because I don't think a lot of people can work. It, they, I don't think a lot of people get the opportunity to work in an environment where they're not distracted from their thoughts all the time. And it really allowed somebody like me to really take my thoughts, dream, and also I'm the kind of person that I execute. So like my wife is not like me. So my wife, she'll have an idea and she'll want to sit on it for about a year to maybe 10. And, it's, you know, it's just like, she, it's like I, she's like, this is a good idea, but I'm scared. I don't want to I don't I don't want to make a decision. And I'm the kind of person I just make decisions rapid fire. And right. I just operate in the philosophy that, you know, in the time in the 10 years that it takes my wife to make one decision, I'll make 50 decisions and I'll, and I'll I'll fail on 45 of them, but I'll hit on five of them right. and I'm still ahead of my wife. You know, right, I mean? right, right. Because I mean, <laughs> like they say, with the lotto, you can't win if you don't play. So right. exactly. <laughs> you gotta so, play. That's the only way you win. I, I just, uh, I, I took all these ideas I had and I executed on them. So before I was podcasting, I'm an entrepreneur by spirit. I'm just an entrepreneur and I've owned several different companies, failed at all of them, you know, but, um, before I started the podcast, about a year before I started the podcast, I owned a, a, a car repair company, driving truck. I would uh, drive during the day and then I'd have appointments at night. And what I would do is uh, instead of having a garage, I would go to my customer's home and work on their car there. Right. And it was the company was called Mars, which stood for Mobile Auto Repair Services. And it was me going to the customer. So uh, in the Philly area, especially the, the county I live in, there's a lot of rich people in this county. Uh, a lot of them work in the high rises in Philadelphia that they live out here. And so there's, there's no shortage of people that are willing to spend money. And I was offering convenience. So you, you spend your whole week in traffic going back and forth for Philly, stressful job. All you want to do is sit at home on a Saturday afternoon and watch college football. So why don't you just let me do the oil change and rotations of your tires in your driveway so you don't have to worry about sitting in a car garage wasting your Saturday in some waiting room while they take their good old time working on your car. That's and smart. so, yeah, so I, I did that and it was going really well, but it went too well where I couldn't keep up with the appointments. And uh, it just kind of, I'd still, I, to be honest with you, I still do it today if I had the time because it, right. was, it was a good idea. But um, that's when uh, that, when I, when I shut that down, I was in the mode of, I was like basically defeat. So I told my wife, I was like, okay, I'm done. You suffered enough through all my entrepreneurial endeavors. Hold up, Tony. That wasn't really a defeat at your expense. It was you, it was more because it got out of hand. Right. It cover everything. If, if you were able to control it, you would still kind of be doing it successful. It was just yeah. nothing that you did wrong. It was just it blew up and you you had only you only have two hands. You know what I mean? There's right. Only one right. Of you, you know. So like I and that's the way I view it, too. Um, I. I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm done. I'm just going to drive truck for a living. 
I like because she's she's not like me with this stuff. So every time I would do something like this, she was like her her nerves were like she's like anxious, you know, like, are we going to get sued? Are you going to drop a car, somebody's car? All that stuff. Right. And um, and so I just told her, I say, OK, I'm going to settle in the truck driving. And that's that, you know, I'll just drive truck. I like driving truck. I really to this day, I love driving truck. I don't like the BS in the industry. I don't like the BS that you have to deal with the dispatchers and the clients and the customers and all that stuff. But the act of driving a tractor trailer, right. so much fun. I love it. Right. Um, but then podcasting came across the desk <laughs> and I looked at her. I remember, I'll never forget. I looked at her in, in uh, the third bedroom in our house, which was the, uh, the office and which turned into my first studio. Correct. I, I'm sitting at this, this little tiny desk with my computer in front of me. She's standing in the doorway and I'm informing her that I'm going to do this podcast thing and see what happens. And uh, at that time, at the time, uh, so I don't I don't do things just because like I don't I don't do hobbies. I do. My hobby is building businesses. That's what I like doing. And so um, going into this, my wife was a was was a, a stay at home wife. She, we were planning on having kids and she wanted to be a stay at home mom. So my truck driving income was all we had. And I could see the writing on the wall that that wasn't going to be enough. So I needed to do something. Correct. And so I'm sitting at the, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in, in, in with truck drivers. It's really hard to get a part-time job because you never know when you're going to be done in the evening. So it's not like I could say, yeah, I'll be here at six this evening to work for you. Like, I don't know. And most of the time, you know, it's anywhere between six to nine o'clock at night, you're, you're done. Right. Um, so it really, the idea of doing a part-time job is really off the table. So I, um, I remember sitting at the desk and I'm looking at her and I, and I, we're talking about all this stuff and the, the podcast came across the, the idea. And I looked at her and I was like, listen, I'm going to try this podcast thing. And, uh, because we need to do something for income. And, uh, I said, if it doesn't work out, I promise you I'm done. I will never do anything entrepreneurial again. I'm just gonna, I'll just stick to truck driving. That's that we'll figure it out. But I, I, if this doesn't work, I don't, I'm done stressing you out with, with entrepreneur stuff. And, um, I'd say probably about six months in, we got enough, uh, momentum going now. She, that was in January. We launched our first episode of 2017. Uh, and I'd say about six months in, she's now pregnant and we had our first kid that December. Uh, but about six months in, she kind of took over my emails, my social media, because things were growing and right. she's, and all of a sudden she's like, okay, if this is working, let me get on board and help him with this. And so from very early on, she, she, uh, hopped on board, uh, and helped me in the process. And the show would not be what it is without her because I hate doing emails. I, and, and I'm the kind of person as motivated as, as I am as an entrepreneur, if I don't want to do something, I am not going to do it. And so, um, and that's why I was so bad at school. So like, it, it was just, um, and she's really good at that stuff, administrative stuff. Uh, and, and so she took over that stuff for me, but if it was up to me and only me, I mean, I would be missing a lot of possible interviews. I, I I'd probably miss some weeks of releasing a show because it's just disorganized, you know? And, uh, so she really saved the show in the early days because she came along and she started looking through the emails and she's like, do you realize you're missing a lot of potential interviews? Cause you're, you're missing these emails. I'm like, Oh, really? What do you mean? And she's like, look at this list. I'm just like, Oh, <laughs> how about that? So, 
So yeah, she started doing uh, social media on a consistent basis and uh, we developed a little bit of a formula. It's not perfect. We're always looking to improve things where we can. Uh, but in general, her and I have done a pretty good job of uh, growing the show and what we do into what it is now. And we were just brainstorming this morning before, before uh, we, we left to go to see my grandmother today. And uh, on the way up, her and I were, were brainstorming about some things of the future of Merkel Media and some different things we could do with it that we uh, weren't necessarily planning on. So uh, she's very much involved. And uh, I just, I like giving her props when I can, because a lot of times, you know, I'm the face of everything. My face is the logo. People, you know, they, they, they see me, they associate me with the show, but my wife, without her, many, many people wouldn't even have heard the show because she's just on the ball behind the scenes. That's awesome, man. I mean, what could you, you couldn't ask for anything better. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, the fact that you involved her and she was able to be a bridge towards other things is kind of what you needed for that last business, but you didn't yes. have it, you know? Um, yeah. Do you remember your first episode and who you interviewed and what that was like when you were doing it and after you were done with it, like that feeling? Yeah. So uh, I think his name was Todd, if I remember correctly. Um, and uh, he had two Bigfoot encounters in Western Pennsylvania. And uh, I, he was in my Bigfoot Facebook group and I was talking to him about his experience, not for the show, just in general. And when I had this idea for the show and stuff, I was like, oh, I'm going to get him on for the first episode. And uh, he, he's a farmer and he I don't remember all the details, but I do remember he had two experiences. I think the first one. If I remember correctly, he was either hunting or maybe not, but he remembers seeing a female running across like a field, uh, like a tree line or something like that. And um, and then the second one, I, I don't remember the details, but it, the, the Bigfoot was like swaying and doing the classic Bigfoot motions and stuff. Uh, but that was the first episode. I I think that 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 uh, interview, that conversation was probably like 30 minutes or something, because I remember. You know you start out with the podcast you don't know exactly what it's going to sound like you don't know exactly the direction you have a general idea uh, at least for me um right. i get an i get an overall idea of something and then i piece it together on how to get there and so uh that's kind of like what you hear with the show in the beginning you're like i get the sense of what we're doing here but from week to week it started sounding different because i was just piecing it together uh but my wife did a like a, a monologue or something like that for me in the beginning where she kind of like read a story about Bigfoot. I think we spent about 15, 20 minutes doing that. And then we did the interview and we wound up with like a 50 minute, 55 minute show. So like the interview wasn't very long. And it's because I didn't know how to do interviews. You know, I, I was like, I don't know, like, what do I have to ask questions? What questions to ask? All that stuff. And, uh, over time, I started developing a, a, a new strategy, I guess, to it where I just I realized I didn't like my show. <laughs> I was like, I don't like doing it this way. I don't like trying to frantically write down on a notepad questions as they're talking to ask them and and try to make good questions and engaging. questions. It's just not me. Right. Uh, I'm a conversationalist. I just talk to people. Sometimes I'm not going to ask the question that everybody is obviously thinking because I didn't think about it and I'm just enjoying the conversation with somebody. And, and so I, I just stopped worrying about that stuff. And I just started having conversations with people. I rarely take notes anymore. Unless they, like, unless they say something, I'm like, Oh crap. That like, 
that reminds me of this or makes me really wonder about this. So let me write just like, just like a word or two down so I can just bring it up in conversation kind of thing. But um, I, I just, it's changed so much over the years on how I go about it. Uh, and I remember I was driving my tractor trailer thinking about the podcast and I realized that I wanted to be the Joe Rogan of paranormal podcasts. That's what I wanted. I, I, I was like, I like Joe Rogan a lot. I like how he does things. And I want to do that with paranormal podcasting. And that's what I, that's, that was my goal. So we're not perfect and we're trying to make things better. Uh, it would be great if I could have everybody in studio with me. Uh, that is a goal one day, possibly to, to arrange. Uh, obviously, we need to grow a lot more financially to be able to do that and pull that off. But um, when you have somebody in studio with you, it just is better. It, it, the, the energy is better. I've had it and it's just it's it's different. And so most of my interviews are done through Zoom or something like that. Right. Uh, but the goal one day is to be able to have um, an office space where I have I have a uh, a business address and people who want to be on the show and I want to have them on the show. I pay for their plane ticket. They fly out and we sit down and we make a day of it. We would take them out to lunch and talk and hang out. And then we do a show together. And, and when you have somebody in person, all of a sudden, what you usually do in an hour takes three hours because the energy is different. You right, know? The dynamic is uh, different. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's why Joe Rogan's shows are two, three hours long. Right. You know, if he was doing it on zoom, they'd be generally shorter because the energy is just different, you know? Right. So, I uh, I, I just, um, I got a lot of goals and visions of what we're doing, where, where we're moving and stuff. Will it happen? I don't know. And I'm fine. It will. With it. It will. I, I, well, here's the thing. Here's my, here's my mind, mindset, man. Like I don't care what the end result is. I only care if I tried, you know, I mean, I want it to happen. I, 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 I desperately want it to happen. I, I'm about to move to Tennessee and into the Knoxville area. And uh, that's as far as I can go because my wife tells me I tell people too much information about my life. So I <laughs> be, bro. you got to you take your family. Yeah, I'll be in the Knoxville area. But my goal is when I'm down there is to really build up my media company and make it so uh, attractive to other podcasters, content creators, YouTubers. I want what I'm doing to be so uh, attractive that other people move to the Knoxville area just to be around what I'm doing. I want to, I want to turn Knoxville into what LA was for Joe Rogan, where all his friends were there. They'd right. swing through the studio. They talk, they hang out. It was just like, you got to be a fly on the wall uh, of these, these awesome guys you're fans of. And I think that'd be amazing if we had the conspiratorial paranormal type community all kind of together in a similar, very general area within an hour's range and we just all it's like, you know, Chris, you want to come on over on Tuesday and, and right, record right. Oh, yeah, I'm there. Bet. Cool. Let's do it. You know, like I, I just like like it's not feasible to think to, for like in this stage right now, there are people listening right now. They're like that. That how the heck can you even like how can that happen? Because all those people have to make a decision financially to make that move and all that stuff. Right. It's it, it seems so overwhelmingly unfeasible. It, it, it doesn't seem feasible right now that 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 could be possible. But like I said, I'm the, I, I get these dreams, these visions, right. and I figure out how to, it's like, it's like you see a rooftop and you're like, I got to get there. And then you start figuring out the pieces on how to build the ladder to get up there. And, and that's just kind of how, how I always am with all my ideas. And with this one, like, I just have this vision 
that there are people that are going to be just so attracted to what I'm doing. They're going to move their families from, from Indiana to Knoxville just to be around what I'm doing. Because they're like, if, if we go there, if we go there, it's going to be beneficial for everybody. It's like, it's like that idea. If you build it, they will come, you know? Yeah. And so I, I just, I just want, to, I just want to try and do it. I have the documentaries I'm doing. My team of guys, there is my brother, Joel from Van Tesla, and I got Ward and Christian. That's my team. I told them several times. I just told them again this week. My goal is to make enough money with the documentaries that they can be full-time like I am full-time podcasting. And they all move to Tennessee and we do this big. You know, I, I want, I think like one day, like I, I'm going to start out with a single room office more than likely where I'm, I'm leasing. And one day I want to have a commercial building where we have many studios. We have video effects studios. We have video shooting studios, video interview studios set up like a newsroom, doing tons of different stuff, building culture, building, building ideas and, uh, and, and renting out the studios to the public that, you know, this kid in, in Knoxville, he's 15 years old, huge fan of all these podcasters. He wants to start a podcast and, you know, for, for, $50 a month, you get access to the studio four times a month or something like that. I just threw that yeah. number out. It seems awfully cheap to me, to be honest. But- <laughs> <laughs> it's something, it's something. I, got, I, it's get, something. I get what you think. Like, I just want to get back to the community. I want to get back to not just the community of, uh, of podcasters, but the community I find myself in. I, I want to encourage people from all ages of life. I just, I just want to be a culture builder. I want to build culture. And I think that um, if not me, then who? Why not me? Like, why not? If, if like I said, if it doesn't happen, I, I'm fine with that. What I'm not fine with is not when, I'm, when I'm 70 years old, putting my head down at night and saying, man, I wonder if 30 years ago, if I would have tried that, I wonder what would ever happen with that. You know, like that, that would eat me alive, man. Like okay. I, that, that would take like 10 years off my life. It would. So uh, I, I just got to try and see what happens. I'm never going to make a decision that puts my family at risk as far as financially goes. Uh, but I'm going to really, really, really try hard to build something amazing. And I don't know how we got on this, but uh, there you go. I'm gonna no, it's cool. I mean, hand it back so, over to you. So. No, it's, it's, it's about you. This, this uh, When I decided to do this, I based this off of watching how you handle things, watching how other podcasters handle things. And I've come up with my own rules. And one of the rules is not to make the show about myself because Nobody wants to, nobody, I don't think anybody cares about this. They care about the guests. So it's about you, man. So you just keep talking and say whatever you want. <laughs> Trust me, man. Um, and I don't think anything's impossible because as you know, Rogan, as you were saying, Rogan was in LA. He had all his friends there. He's in Texas now. And what is he trying to do? Get all of his friends to Texas. Um, also the part where you said you would like to make the people in your circle full time. You know Sam Tripoli. He started Tinfoil Hat. He's now at a point where his co-host XG, and uh, I think it's uh, what's his, the other guy that does the computer stuff, Johnny. Johnny, are full time now because he helped make that happen. So it's possible, you know. It's not. It's, yeah. it's not that it's impossible. The worst part, like you said, is not even trying. That's the worst part because, you know, like That's- I said, you don't play, you don't win. You don't. You know, you're not gonna know if you if you're gonna win if you don't play. I, I, uh, 
I was texting with Sam uh, last week and I told I'm, I'm so so I don't know if Joe's trying to get Sam to move to Texas, but I'm trying to get yeah. Sam to Tennessee. So like <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in Texas, Sam, I'm like, hey, man, I just I just bought a house in Tennessee. It's beautiful down there. You got to come through. Like I, and I'm telling him, like we, we can build some crazy stuff, man. Right. Like like it's time to bail on L.A. and yeah. And, and and build what you were already planning on building in a friendlier area for you. Right. Uh, and so I got a couple heavy hitter podcasts that I think personally, I think they're probably way bigger than my show that I'm trying to recruit to Tennessee. And I figure if I can get that solid core, everybody else comes. Everybody. Right. I, I know what you're saying. It just opens but there's up no that. way. There's like no way that Sam's going to pick me over Rogan. If he did, then I'm a better salesman than I thought. <laughs> well, that's, that's, I don't even really think it's that. I think it's more of like Sam's a really smart guy. Uh, he's going to do what's best for him and his two kids. You know, yeah. so yeah. if that means Tennessee, he's going to go to Tennessee. Rogan would understand it. And my Rogan might have even jumped too. Who knows? You know, no, yeah, I mean, I, I I've been trying to get Rogan's number for years now. Right. You know, all my Google searches are coming up short. But if I can ever get a hold of Rogan, hey, buddy, come on up to Tennessee. You know, <laughs> like you want to be more centralized. You don't want to be on the border because they're sending away the border patrol over to other countries to help defend those borders, making right. us a little weaker. You don't want to be down there. Right. Come on up to central the central United States where you got the Rocky Mountains on one side, the Smoky Mountains on the other. You got freedom loving people, plenty of space. You know, you got Nashville, Memphis, music cities, the yeah. spots like yeah, there's plenty of stuff, buddy. Come on up. And he's going to say after all that, he's going to say, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> he's gonna say uh jamie google this guy yeah <laughs> he's gonna say where's my security yeah. <laughs> all right my brother so listen um so you initially start the confessionals right did you try to tackle one subject let's say like you had your favorite subject and you try to tackle that or did you try to tackle everything because and the reason why i'm asking that is because when people talk about let's say cryptozoology and you and i had this conversation Cryptozoology, ghosts and spirits, you know, angels and demons, you know, um, UFOs, all that. They talk about it like they're separate. And I don't believe they're separate. I believe they're all under the umbrella of the paranormal. So did you try to tackle specific things or did you would like, oh, I'm just going to take everything on? Yeah, I right away, I was planning on taking everything on. I knew that uh, in the beginning, I probably would have more Bigfoot content than anything because of my background. But uh, I don't think it was necessarily the case, but for sure over the last 400 and some odd episodes that I've done, we've gotten less and less of Bigfoot content because I do so much of other stuff that I, I don't know if people just don't want to talk to me about Bigfoot or, you know, they, they're Sasquatch Chronicles, you know, it's like, well, I'll just go over to the West, you know, but um, in the beginning, I, right away, I'm going to do everything. I didn't know much about everything. I, I didn't, my my opinions about everything have changed over the years. I just knew that I was going to do everything: paranormal, hauntings, abductions, Bigfoot, Dogman, conspiracies, whatever. I've gotten away from the conspiracies just because I got to be able to feed my family still. So I, can, I I'm trying not to get canceled, you know. Uh, I understand. <laughs> I'm I'm planning on a on a show right now where we uh I bring on somebody and we we have a good conversation about survival in a uh, dystopic kind of 
society. Let's just say EMP attack happens. What do we do kind of thing? Um, and just having an open, honest conversation and see where it goes. Uh, I don't think that will get me canceled, you know, but like if I go deep on some things like I've done in the past, it's, it, it can happen. And so, uh, you gotta, you gotta be smart about how you do things. But, um, I, I definitely was planning on doing everything. Now, when I first started the show, I would get emails from people saying, I don't know if this is what you're looking for, but I had a, a haunting experience and because people were like, Oh, well, uh, he, he's probably just wanting Bigfoot stuff. I'm like, no, give me everything. And that's why I just named it a very general name of the show. I wish I would have named it something a little bit more obviously paranormal in the sense that like the confessionals, like they're like, what is he a priest? Is he like, what are we talking about? You know what I mean? Like, but the, the idea behind it was that people are coming on the show to confess what they've been through, what they experienced. And, 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 and the idea that I'm sitting on the other side of a screen and listening to your story, I'm not passing judgment on you. I'm just, I'm just taking that story and letting you, letting you share it like you would to a priest, you know? Um, and, and so I, I called it the confessionals, but, uh, I think if I had more of an obviously paranormal type name, catchy but like like it's not hard to guess I'm, i wonder if my show would be even bigger because i think there's a lot of people that would like my show to pass over because they have no idea what it is you know uh they, changing it i've thought about it but i'm so far into it now if i yeah. change it, it it might be a problem for people who right. who are casual listeners and they're like where did where did the confessionals go you know it's like ah you know i could change it it's not gonna it's not like uh the rss fee would change or anything so people that are subscribed for the confessionals they would just see a, a new logo new name kind of thing but um it, there are certain things that you really got to weigh carefully you know and yeah. that would be one of them because you, you spend five years building up a, a strong following on the name the logo the even the show intro um, I would like to change the show intro because I, I, I like change. So I like, you know, ride it out for a while. When I get tired of it, we, we do another one. But I know if I change the show intro, there will be some serious backlash. And, and, and not that I care in that sense, but I think this is selfish thinking for me, but it's just facts. I will get so annoyed by all the emails that I'll be getting for six months straight saying, your show used to be good until you changed your <laughs> intro. Dude, and, and, can I tell you something? You you yeah. have your intro, and then right before you start talking, you play like this music. Okay, there's the one where you go, "Yep," right? That one intro, I love that. But you changed that at one point. I'm not gonna lie, I hate it. <laughs> I know, but I got tired of it. You changed the back though. I appreciate I, well, that. I just I just move it back and forth in the rotation. I, I'm starting to you know, just kind of put it back and forth because I got tired of the yup. I got tired of the, the instrumental. <laughs> And, but everybody likes the yup. And so I know, I'm like, I love the yup, dude. Yeah. I, I just like, I got tired of the instrumental and I, the instrumental I started using, I was like, oh, yeah, I like that. And I'm just like, I'm listening to it. I'm like, yeah. I was like, oh, I like that. And so I was just like, I was like, okay, we're going to swap the yup for a yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I like, it. and that's the thing. Like, I built the show on this idea that, like, I'm not going to make things for other people. Right. I'm going to make it for myself. If I like it, it goes. If I don't like it, it doesn't go. And uh, and so, you know, that's the way it is. But I do like the yup. And, and I think what I need to do is make it just get a new instrumental and put the yup in. I think that's what it is. Uh, but it was just literally like I didn't have an idea to change the yup. I was changing the instrumental, but I found the, that instrumental off of one of those those um, sites where you can buy instrumentals and stuff. And I'm just sitting I'm like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I like this. I was like this. I was like. 
yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, we're changing the yacht too. We're changing the yacht too. (laughs) And my wife, my wife didn't like the idea. And I was like, I'm doing it anyways. And And usually when she says, don't do something and I do it anyways, she was right. You know, so yeah, 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 like yeah, just yeah. recently she told me she's like, you need to get off Twitter. And I was like, enough said. So I got off Twitter. I told, I said goodbye to everybody. I was like, uh, I need to get off Twitter for a while because my mind's going down a dark dystopian mindset and it's it's not healthy. You know, so I and I, I said at the end of it, I said my wife told me also I need to get off Twitter. So peace. You know? Yeah, bro. You, yeah, I, I understand. Yeah, I, I never listen to my wife. So I've been married 26 years and, you know, I never listen to my wife, but she's right <laughs> all the time. Oh, um, <laughs> so you were talking about like your first episode and whatnot, and then it eventually the show was going really well. You jumped into like this Hammerlane Legends. What what started that? Like what made you want to do something something along like on that path? Go down that path. It was all a dream, you know. Like <laughs> I used to I, be put up magazine. <laughs> I mean, like I I was driving my truck, daydreaming, and. It was this was before Merkel Media existed. I knew I wanted to have more shows because I'm I was like, I don't want to confine myself to just being the paranormal guy. And um, I was like, what else could I do? What else can I do? What else can I do? And I'm like, well, I drive truck. I could do a, a podcast about driving truck. And I was like, that's boring. I don't want to do that. And I was, it just hit me. I was like, just basically do what you do already with truck driving. And so start a show where truckers come on and share their crazy, wild experiences from the road. And, you know, and when I first started talking about Hammerland Legends publicly, people were like, why are you doing another paranormal show about trucks? I'm like, I didn't it, where where. Where did you see where did you see that I said it was a paranormal show? Like like I like and, and that, that's the thing that like as an individual, you, you don't you especially if you feel like you have more to offer the world, whether it's par, uh, podcasting or at your job, you if you feel you have more to offer the world, the the the. If you want to know what it feels like to be in hell, have the the world confine you into a box that says you are this. And it's like, right. no, I, I'm I'm more than that, you know. And you can't and, get out of it. That, they tell you you're right. stuck. And so, um, I, I Hammerlane Legends was my first step of branching out and doing something different. And right. so, uh, we we started that show, and uh, now, I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at doing. I have so many ideas for podcasts. I would like to just do a general conversation show, kind of like Rogan. Um, right. I have, a, I do have another paranormal podcast I got to put together. It's all based off of one story. So, like, if you're familiar with the, the Hellier Crew, uh, oh yeah, Hellier, yeah, I was going to talk to you about that actually. Yeah, so like, there's Hellier. Uh, there's a podcast called Penny Royal. They kind of focus yeah. on a very a specific storyline and they tease it out. And they, well, I, I have a story like that that came across my desk, and it's in my opinion, one of the most groundbreaking paranormal stories uh, one will ever will ever hear. It will it will force you to consider what is real, what are the possibilities, and how not are you wrong, but how much are you wrong about the paranormal? And what, it, what's the timetable? Twenty to thirty. Oh, <laughs> I, wow, I mean, really? no, 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 no. I'm just saying that's no, no. I mean. It, the timetable is Tony's going to move to Tennessee in April. Once I get settled in there, we'll right, start right. figuring it out. You know? I got you, I got you, I got you. Like, I got you. Like, I, there's, there's, um, there's the initial interview I did for the confessionals that launched me on this. And this guy is a very crucial part to this whole thing, but he's not the only part of the story. 
he he there are other characters that he talked about that I wound up looking up and finding and one of them verified his stories and the fact that she verified the stories is like the way it all came together like there is no way that this is false right what episode so that in case people listen to yeah it, it hasn't aired hasn't it okay so it's no because the, the initial the initial interview is going to be the first episode of the new episode i got you and I so you. or the new show so but like the the information i've gathered from him as the first <clears throat> interview and then this other person yes. uh there is no way that this is false it can your perception and what you how you view it could be different than what they view it as or even i view it as that's that but you there's no way no way that what they're telling me is false because of timelines there there it's it's literally impossible for these two people to conspire to trick tony merkel from the confessionals and let's come up with a story because there are things that have physical that there are physical things that i could you can date back five six seven years before my podcast existed that the that the that, that prove that what they're talking about happened and uh it, it's just it's it, i'm telling you man it, and there are parts of this experience it, maybe ongoing experiences that these people are having that um relate to other people and their experiences that have been on my show and i think that what i'm and i know i'm talking code people are just gonna oh, have no, to I, what i think you're saying is you got specifically at the moment two people that are saying the same things. You they they're saying things that obviously are not lies because you know where to identify whether it's a lie or not because there's yeah. timetables that make connections. But then also you've had interviews with people in the past that may not know these people, but their stories line up. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So there's 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 a lot of characters. I found characters that I believe are involved in this that will not, well, at least have not responded to my, me reaching out to talk to them uh, all over the world. And uh, there are characters that I have found that I know were involved, but I can't reach out to them until I have exhausted other resources. Because if I reach out to certain people too soon, it will scare the other resources away. And uh, so like, I have to do things in certain orders. I'm right. also playing with fire because there is at least one of these individuals that's extremely dangerous. And if I, if I, if I come, if, if I pursue him and, and he just decides he doesn't like me, it could be very bad. Like, like a supernaturally dangerous person. Let's just put it that way. This is not, I'm not talking about, he's not Rambo. He's scarier than Rambo. Like he's, he's got (laughs) big, big, in the words of Donald Trump, bigly, bigly yeah. powers, you know, like, gotcha. and so I, um, I just, I got to do things in the right order. And so, um, that's why it, it, it has got put on the back burner because of this move. Once we get this move though, done, I think that has to be the new podcast that I start because it's already on the table. Uh, and we also might be able to do a documentary on it as well with Legion of Legends. And so if we could do, if we could launch a documentary, kind of like an hour long documentary telling the story summarized and then go into greater detail through episodes, I think that might be the way to do it. Wow. That's crazy. Um, damn, <laughs> I was going <laughs> to ask a question, but I kind of want to stay on this, but again, 
I know that you it's sensitive and you don't you can't say certain things. So let's get off of that. Yeah. So let me just say this. Let me just say this. Like so, the the reason why it's sensitive is because it, like. I want the world to know the details. I want the world to know uh, what's going on here. It's sensitive because I can't let anybody know this information. And I feel selfish in, in doing that in a sense. But it's because if I start releasing information before it is ready and time to come out, you as a listener, you the listeners will have no other choice but to look into it for themselves. They, the, the, it, it's going to be, be so mind-blowing, I believe. Maybe it's going to be a dud. Nobody's going to like it, right? But I, I believe that the listeners are going to start looking into it themselves. And when they do that, they could scare away people that I need still. And so I, I, need, to, I, I need to build it first. Right. And then once it's ready, I can present it to the world and be like, okay, guys, go at it. Have fun right. and, and, and tell me what you find. You know? Good yeah, good luck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> If you come across a guy with red horns, stay yeah. away. You know? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to deal with the bigly guy. No, I don't yeah. want to deal with the <laughs> So listen, so back to Hammer Lane Legends. Uh, so how long have you been doing Hammer Lane Legends for? Since, uh, I think, March of 2020, I think. Okay. And, yeah. and so you've talked to probably a lot of truckers. Uh, what has been the craziest story that you've heard, or, or a couple, if, if you can go into that? So, uh, <clears throat> all right, so the, the second episode that we did, uh, we had a guy, Sam, on, and he was actually a contractor for the United States military as a driver. So he wasn't in the military. The military, apparently, I didn't know this, but they they contract drivers to go into Iraq, Afghanistan, and drive the trucks and stuff. But they're not they're not in the they're not in the right. military. The military contracts a lot of people. Trust me, I I, yeah. I told yeah. you about a, a contract. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um. He, he came on to tell his different just experiences of, you know, having his truck shot at, blown up, things like that, you know, and he's doing all this as a contractor, you know, like I, I think technically he wasn't even supposed to be carrying a gun, you know, uh, but the one thing that he shared was they 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 were driving in a hostile area and he I think he yeah, he was coming up behind like so he was behind the caravan. And he passes a road that he knows we were all supposed to turn down. And if because we didn't turn down that road, we're going into a very hostile area where we, we will have combat. And so uh, they, it, it becomes apparent they're stuck. They're stopped. People are starting to come out of their houses and it's not good. He has an out of body experience in that moment where he actually finds himself above his truck and he can see the entire convoy and he winds up directing the entire convoy on where to turn. Like, like he, so he's physically, uh, out of his body. Like that, well, that doesn't make sense. So physical physical body, in the truck. Right. But his, like his spirit or whatever it is right. out of body, he has this out of body experience. And, and he heard a voice before it happened and said, that said, uh, what you do next will determine if you all live or die. And he has this experience and he sees everything. And he is able to take what he sees and then his physical body in the truck is on the radio telling people where to turn and stuff. And they were able to get out of there. It was a fantastic story. Um, but so, I mean, that was just like, I, I remember doing that interview with my dad and we're sitting there and this is like, this is the first interview we've ever done. Okay. I mean, like the first episode was an episode that I recorded a couple of years before I just held on to it. Right. And then this, then there was Sam. This, this is what I'm talking about. And I told my dad during this interview, I, I said to him, this is in the top three interviews I've ever done. 
and and I and I just told him I was like, don't expect this every week on the show. <laughs> like, like the odds of that, yeah. Like I was like, this this is not normal. Okay, like this is like just on another level. Right, and right. so, uh, but so that was a really good episode. But we had um, we we interviewed Todd Dewey from Ice Road Truckers. That was fun. Uh, th- there's this guy that always uh, pops in my head when people ask me about Hammer Lane. Um, and, and we called it, uh, uh, throwing trash and stacking cash. And it was a, it was a trash guy and he just came on and talked about his experiences as a trash guy and all the bizarre things he's gone through. And it was so funny. I remember, I remember laughing so much during that episode. And that's what I like about Hammerlane is there's a lot more laughing than, than, than serious talk. Uh, but, uh, that was such a funny, like he, he, like I'm talking about like people who, so like he he's collecting trash and then there's like some guy standing in a bathrobe with nothing on underneath and his hands are up his butt crack and he's scratching his butt and like he's chasing after the truck trying to get him to uh, I don't know like throw away one piece of paper or something like like it's just crazy stuff like stupid just stuff yeah bizarre. like like it's it's like if you ever saw the movie uh, uh, Men at Work with the uh, uh, Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez yeah 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 so like it's like that like only, only times 10 the stories he had were just like like it's just like every day being a trash guy is an adventure you know <laughs> like and so it was just it was really funny uh then there was this guy he, he he's on instagram uh the boston trucker i think it was episode 18 uh he just you know good interview good conversation and then i said to him i said uh so, you know, do you have any bizarre experiences as a trucker? He's been doing it for a long time. He's like, well, there's this one. And he goes into like a 20, 30 minute story of how uh, he 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 picked up a girl at a stop who her boyfriend had just like abandoned her or something. And it she turned into this, this crazy chick that he just could not get rid of. And uh, like like he just talked about like he told this like long story where you're just like, holy crap, like. Like she was, she was crazy. Like he crazy couldn't get like, 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 like mentally upstairs. unstable. Yeah, she was unstable, bro. And so like, she's like, you know, going crazy on him and, and like, uh, like, uh, uh, no wonder the boyfriend kicked her out. Right. Right. <laughs> but like, he couldn't get rid of her. Like she just kept like, like anything short of like kicking her out of the truck while it's driving down the highway. She wasn't going anywhere. She just, he just couldn't like, like she was showing up at places that, that like she knew he was going to be at, you know, like he just couldn't get rid of her. And so she winds up like traveling all over the country with him. And, and it just, it was actually a really funny story at, and, and uh, on how he got rid of her and stuff. But we called the episode, we called, have you ever heard of lot lizards for truckers? It's like when the, 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 the oh, truck, yeah, drivers, the, I know. Yeah. Lot lizards, uh, yeah. So they're picking up, lot, you don't want to be a lot lizard. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, like the pro, the prostitutes that hang yeah. out in the uh, trucking stops, they, they're, they're called lot lizards. And so we called the episode the lot leech because like oh, she was like a leech. She just held yeah. on. And so like, right, right. Uh, oh, you know, wow. so that was a fun show. Uh, but we, we've had, you know, some serious ones. We had we had uh, this one guy talk about how trucking sa- basically saved his life from uh, killing himself, um, you know, alcohol abuse, things like that. Um, you know, it, it's just we kind of go all over that. We had this one lady, Susan, on a couple of times, and she's a tow truck truck driver in Chicago. I mean, she has stories, um, but she has like we wanted to have her back on the show a couple of times now, but she hasn't responded to my text. I think she's I think she got got mad at us or something because she um, 
Yeah, I'll just say I don't care. She doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't answer me. Um, she, she, <laughs> she, she, she would like, so like she got my, my number. I, I text her to ask her, you know, Hey, are you still good for today's interview? So she had my number and then she was like, it was like a green light for her to just text me all the time. And, and if I didn't answer, she's like, hello, are you there? I'm like, I don't answer to you ever. <laughs> I'll let you know when I talk to you, you know, like I, I don't have time to just right. like, like, I mean, let me just right here. Hang on a second. I got, I don't know if you're gonna be able to see this, but I got, no, you're not. It's gonna be fun. I got 83 text messages on my phone that I have not opened yet. Like, like, I'm, I'm sorry, Susan from Chicago, but like, I barely, I, I hardly ever answer my wife's text messages. So don't, don't expect much from me. And thank I think she got, an- thank you for answering mine. I appreciate you. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, so, uh, I, um, I, 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 you know, I think she got upset about that and she stopped answering us and stuff. So it's like, whatever, you know, it is what it is. Can't make everybody happy. But uh, yeah, Hammerlane Legends, it's a lot of fun. Um, we just talk to people and it's not just truck drivers. It's tow truck drivers. We've had Uber people on um, people who drive city buses. You know, if you're in the transportation industry of some kind, you know, let's do it. Let's talk about your experiences. Um, the city bus drivers go through a lot, too, and stuff, man. The characters they drive around all day. Holy crap, dude. Like you see those videos online of like the New York subways of people yeah. dancing and doing bizarre things. That's a city bus, man. Like this is like every day is a new adventure. You know? <laughs> so how would they contact you? Uh, they, they email us. Uh, what is the email? It's HLL podcast at protonmail.com. Uh, or they can go to the website, hammerlanelegends.com. And we have a contact page on there. Um, and they just submit the, you know, Hey, I'm Joey Alvarez and I've been driving truck for three years and you, you want to have me on the show. How about next week? You know? So like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like the Hammerland Legends doesn't have the the big tra- uh, uh, traffic through the emails like my like com- the confessionals. So people can get on Hammerland Legends a lot faster than the confessionals. It's a little bit more of a process for the confessionals. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're always looking for people to come on and stuff. So, yeah, that's awesome, brother. So your experiences on the road. Oh, talk, talk about them. Crazy, cra- craziest. Uh... Hmm. I know, I know you have them, Tony. Don't, I, don't I, so, no, I, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I, I have a ton of crazy experiences, man, to be honest with you. Um, I, okay. I just, I remember you telling a story. I don't know if it was when you were driving trucks of you being parked somewhere in the morning and seeing the UFO. Oh yeah. So I wasn't parked. I was uh, driving. See, this is the kind of person I am. I can't do things right off the bat. Somebody needs to jog my memory. Uh, you know, the, it's like, what's your name? I don't remember. Tony, Tony that's what my name is. Uh, so, um, I'm here so, to help you, brother. <laughs> yeah. I was driving down uh, 276, uh, going from Ben Salem back to uh, uh, our terminal. And it was, it was dark out, nighttime. And I see this light in the sky. You see lights in the sky in Philadelphia. I mean, it's funny because when I first started doing what I do publicly, people that know me would text me pictures about these lights in the sky they saw. And every time it was a plane coming into the Philadelphia airport. And what happens is you see this long line of evenly spaced lights in a line. And people are like, oh my gosh, what is that? And it's just the planes have to be evenly spaced coming into the airport. It's just, you know, one after another, taking their turns kind of thing. And so uh, I would get a lot of that. And so I'm used to seeing that stuff. 
but this was different. It, it was just, it was brighter. Uh, as I got close, I think it was a different color too. I could tell from a distance, but I'm driving towards it. And it was so bright that I saw for about two miles before I got up to it. Like it, it, it wasn't moving. It was stationary. I was getting closer to it. And at first I didn't pay much mind to it. And then uh, as I got closer, I just realized I was like, this thing isn't moving. I've been watching this for a while. And I remember as I was driving by it, I'm looking out my driver window. I'm looking up at it and it's a dark sky, but I could see the silhouette of this thing. And it was not, a, well, for obviously it wasn't a plane, but it definitely wasn't uh, a helicopter because of the shape of this thing. It, it, at first I called it uh, like a V shape. But it was it wasn't a total V. It was like a check mark. It was like one side of the wing or whatever was shorter than the other. And it was just hovering there. And could it have been a drone? I, I maybe. I, I don't know. But uh I saw it several times. Several times. I, I think within like a two, three month period, I saw it like two or three other two or three other times. And uh that, that was that was kind of bizarre. Um, you know, you, you see a lot of just Drive, drive, because I mean, I'm not doing cross country driving. I was doing, I was home every day. I was doing, you know, the Philadelphia area. I go in, punch a clock, go go home at at night. So I'm not, I'm not having experiences of sleeping in truck stops and things like that. But I can tell you, driving in the Philadelphia area around heavy traffic, uh, you you come to understand that you're like a like a nuclear bomb driving down the highway and you got all of these little tiny missiles flying around you. And yeah. your job is to just make sure you don't blow any of them up. Right. And, and the, the thing that sucks is like you, you're doing defensive driving and they're not. And, and they, they just, they, they, they're, they're, they're breaking they like, like, all right. So here's the thing. If you're trying to merge onto a highway and I'm in the, the, the right-hand lane, there's two lanes, there's a passing lane, right-hand lane. And there's, and there's a car next to my trailer and you're trying to merge on the highway and you don't see that car. You don't know why I'm not getting over, but I don't get over. And because I don't get over, you get mad at me in a snowstorm and you pass me, cut me off and then brake check me. I got news for you, homeboy. You think you're doing me any hurting me. You ain't doing nothing to me. At the end of the day, I get to go home and have sex with my wife. You're the one that's going to be in a wheelchair, you know? And so like, that, that kind of stuff happened all the time. Drove me nuts, you know? Uh, but like, <laughs> like uh, I, uh, I, I remember I was coming out of Philadelphia and there was a trucker who was pissed off at a city bus driver. Uh, it was a SEPTA bus and it was, we were coming out on the Schuylkill and this truck driver like was trying to push the SEPTA bus off the road. Like wow. he was, he was, he was weaving a, a tractor trailer, weaving in and out of traffic to keep up with the septa bus and trying to push him off the road. And I was just like, what happened? Like, <laughs> like what, what, what in God's name happened that you as a tractor trailer truck driver, this is your livelihood. You're willing to throw it all away for a city bus driver. Like what the heck happened? Like, we, like they let they better have your child in there this better be like you know sylvester sloan with over the top you know they're you're chasing down the bad guy because they stole your kid you know well, the lot, lot leech was in the end of the <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so like something because i mean i was like dude you're going crazy right now but like we had drivers that this one guy he uh he had the worst luck like he saw somebody commit suicide and then and then the one time 
he's driving and he's in Philly. Always happens in Philly. He's he's driving down like a neighborhood. It's a it's a sketchy. Obviously, it's a sketchy neighborhood is what I'm about to tell you. Uh, but it's uh, yeah. Yeah. So like instead of just doing your freaking job and drive your truck to the next stop and and mind your own freaking business and don't get involved in the local community at all as, as an outside truck driver, just get in and get the hell out. Right. Like instead of doing that. He's looking around, enjoying the scene, just having a jolly old time. And then he looks over in an alley and sees bedsheets all piled up. And he's like, that looks weird. Let me stop my truck and go look at it and see why there's a pile of bedsheets in the alley. And what does he find? A dead body. Oh, I'm just like, bro, let it go. (laughs) <laughs> like, like, like of all the drivers, he always had that kind of stuff happening to him because he just wouldn't mind his own business. Like, like he would just, he was always, you're, you're in the city to drive a truck and do deliveries. And he would do that and other things. And it's just like, dude, just do your job and get out. Like you could avoid, cause he's like, I wouldn't wish that on anybody like to, for him to find a dead body. I'm like, you didn't have to find a dead body, bro. You could have just kept driving. Right, Somebody right. else would have found it. You know, right. Right. <laughs> like, he, he, he was an explorer and a truck driver. Yeah. yeah. Like it was just like, you know, uh, uh, Robert, the Explorer, like Dora, the Explorer, you know, like, like, I'm just like, bro, like, you know, leave, the, leave your little door of the Explorer backpack at home and just drive the freaking truck. You know? yeah. Tell the math to shut up. Shut up, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was an interest. It was it was very interesting. The environment that I found myself driving in. So it wasn't like some of the stories I have in my show where people like like we had a couple of people say they saw a plane crash in front of them kind of thing, you know, Whoa, um, but like mine was environment. So like when you're in North Philadelphia and you got to do a delivery to a place that you shouldn't be doing a delivery to an attractive trailer, but you still got to do it. And you wind up having to jack your trailer across all lanes of traffic in North Philadelphia, a residential neighborhood. And there's nowhere for the cars to go. They can't back out. And everybody is backed up for like, you know, a half a mile each direction. And they can't go anywhere. They're honking their horns at you. And until you get this delivery done, they're stuck. And you're like, how many of these people are so angry with me that they would hurt me? You know, like, like you start thinking about that stuff. And you're just like, ah, just, just get in, get out, just get in, get out, get in. Cause it's not, a, it's North Philadelphia, Kensington area, not a good area. You know, it's very rough. And so, uh, you know, it, it's just, and we had a driver, the one guy, he had a delivery in, a, in a, one of the worst neighborhoods you could be in. And um, and you and the neighborhood, it's like they know if you're an outsider. Obviously, you're driving. A, he was driving a straight truck. Obviously, he's an outsider, but they didn't care. And he gets out to go to his delivery. It was a residential delivery. So he had to deliver it to somebody's home. And uh, and the look, he said the looks that everybody gave him was like, you don't belong here and you need to get out of here. And it's like, but I got to do my job. And so, you know, it's like it's a tug of war mentally there. Uh, But we've had we had guys that are just like unsafe environment, not doing it, you know, like tell them to come to the terminal and pick it up. You know, so it is what it is. But the story that I was talking about, uh, you you had talked about it on one of your shows with the guest, I believe. And it was a daytime sighting where you say you saw this craft. It was there 
not moving for a while, but then eventually it started to move. And you made a, a comment that it was moving toward this area where they were doing these uh, so-called experiments, like like I think maybe a military, like it was like a secret base or maybe some sort of a, a military I, uh, pl place. Do you know what I'm so, talking about, or am I making shit up? <laughs> no, no. I mean, I mean, may, maybe you are. I don't. I, I don't remember. I don't remember the story, so it must not have been too impressive to me. I guess. Uh, but I, I, where I saw the the craft that I was talking about, that was near the retired military base, the Willow Grove Air Force Base. And, like I was driving by Willow Grove. And so I, I know with that story, I was talking about how maybe it was a drone that came out of that the Air Force okay. Base because I, 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 my former truck driving job, I actually went on the base when they were moving everything out and I was helping move stuff out. And so um, I knew that the, the base was not uh, totally in operation, but I also knew that people worked there still because I, I've done deliveries there. Uh, so it made me wonder if they had other things going on uh, in that area as far as like secret stuff, you know, and I've had people reach out to me and tell me, yes, they, they are still doing stuff. It's just, they're not flying planes anymore. They, <laughs> they're flying other things. Uh, it's not far from Allentown. Uh, I would say probably about 30 minutes. Because I don't remember I told you that I had a, a ex-acquaintance that was hanging out. He, he lived yes, in, yes. Or near Allentown. So I'm wondering if that's the place he drove up on. With may, may, well, maybe. Um, it's not too close to Allentown. I, I, I remember I, I reached out to that guy. Did I tell you that? Yeah, he didn't. Uh, he wanted my information, I think. Yeah. And, yeah wasn't, that wasn't happening, right? No, it wasn't happening. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so <laughs> I was trying to get that location, but now I'm moving, so I don't care. It's, it's, yeah, it is what it is. Fuck it, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, ten Tennessee's got like three rumored underground military bases, so I'm not short on on, on content. You know, I got right. the Smoky Mountains right. and right. the bizarre things that happen there. So before we get into Legion of Legends, okay, I wanted to talk about something else that you had brought up and that you had made videos for, and I, I never found out what the resolution was. And that was the, the situation you were ha having at home where you were finding your door open. What a, that, can you go into that and whatever happened? What was the resolution? Is it still happening now? Uh, no, it's not happening uh, now. And I think that it was, in all honesty, I think it was a, a mom who was stressed and forgetting that she wasn't closing the door. Uh, <laughs> because, <laughs> like, you know, when I'm working down here and she and she's in charge of, migrating the children from playtime going crazy upstairs for bath time bedtime and it's all on her i think she forgets stuff because after that nothing has ever happened again uh it, I, I, it happened a few times and all that but i think it was just a forgetful mom to be honest with you that's that's i i don't think it was paranormal oh, because that's I mean, good I, i'm happy when I, yeah me too like <laughs> you, you seem really stressed out when you were making those videos man I, well you know i i would i wouldn't say stressed as much as engaged i was just like okay this is getting interesting you know uh my dad when i made that video I don't think he was on video, but he was nervous. I could tell because like I turned out all the lights and stuff. And he's like, what is that? What the freak is this kid doing? You know, he's what's he do about to do a seance or something? You know, <laughs> all right, so your dad, right? Let's go into your dad. Has he told you anything about uh, his truck driving experience? Is anything crazy on his end or? Uh, what can I share? That's the question. Yeah. Um, what so, can you share? Yeah. So, so I, I think there's. 
there's one story I'm not going to share because I don't know if he shared it. And I don't, that means that he probably doesn't want it shared. Uh, but he almost died about five years ago or something. Um, so is he still active? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He he could have died on this one. It, he um he was coming back to his terminal. He drives at night and uh, it was the morning time and he was driving behind uh, two vehicles. His exit was... Uh, or no, no, their egg. Oh, there we He's driving back behind two vehicles. One was like a van, and another one was like a pickup truck that was carrying uh, propane tanks, a lot of propane tanks. And um, the 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 minivan, which was leading, decided to get in the passenger or the passing lane, and then cut across the highway on the median to go the opposite direction. So oh. he, so obviously not a safe move. Uh, and they were. The minivan was driving slow because they were preparing to do that. The pickup truck was driving slow because he's behind the minivan. And then my dad was driving slow because of that. So when that happens, they're coming up on an exit. And so it, it's kind of dumb. You can see the exit. Instead of getting on that exit and then just turning around, going back down the other way, this person decides to cut across the median. So when that happens, that happens. And then the pickup truck is still moving slow. And so my dad gets in the passing lane and starts passing. Turns out that pickup truck was following the minivan. And instead of that pickup truck getting in the passing lane, putting his turn signal on and then making the illegal turn across the median, that guy's in the right-hand lane and just decides to turn. Throw all the car. Yeah. And so he doesn't look in his mirrors. And my dad is driving a big red tractor trailer. It's, it's not hard to, to, to see clearly you didn't look in your mirrors, but this guy turns from the right-hand lane across the tur the passing lane to hit the median little cutout to go the other, the other way. My dad T-bones him with all that, those propane tanks yeah. uh, in the trailer. And my dad probably pushed him about 50 feet. It was a brand new truck. My dad was driving, uh, totaled, totaled the, the truck. They, well, they rebuilt the truck, but it was, it was total. It was jacked up, uh, but not one propane tank blew. And so, yeah, it, that, that was, you know, pinch your butt cheeks together. Scary. You know, it's just, yeah, like, oh. yeah. so he did no injuries. He was good. No, he's good. That's the thing that you That's have to understand good. with, with, uh, I mean, it, you can die driving track, tractor trailer. You can get injured with an accident, but he, you know, <laughs> the, the, the person that you're hitting is the one you're really worried about because, like, I mean, just the, the, the truck itself, not the trailer, just the truck itself is usually about 15,000 pounds. Yeah. And then you got a trailer. If the trailer's empty, that's another 15,000 pounds. So together with an empty trailer, you got 30,000 pounds empty. Now right. that's rare, right? So if you're pulling a full load, say you're pulling a, a full load and you got 80,000 pounds of freight in your trailer, plus the 30,000 pound trailer, plus the 15,000 pound tractor, and you and you hit a pickup truck, there's a problem. That's a real problem. And so um, your biggest concern, at least mine is always been, you know, making sure I don't kill anybody because I wasn't worried about not going home. You know, like, like I, I'm going to be unless short of me driving it off a bridge, rolling it or something like that. If I hit if I just hit somebody, I'll be fine. You know, it, it's just the other person may not be. Uh, and that's the thing that just would, was very stressful driving in the Philly area is just the fact that people just didn't seem to either care or understand 
how lethal we are and they do things like break check you and it's just like in a snowstorm are you kidding me uh it's just like you will die you will die i mean i'll go to jail probably but you will die you know it's just um it it was it was it was a very stressful job uh it's a lot it's a new kind of stress but it's a lot less stressful sitting behind a computer doing a podcast so i like that (laughs) all right so let's get into this league of legends okay when right. did the concept come about um, and what constituted the change? And let me ask you, let me tell you why I'm, I say that. Cause like I'm doing an interview and I've interviewed you, I'm interviewing you about paranormal stuff like that. I've interviewed other, another guest about paranormal. Um, I'm not an investigator, so I'm not going to try to pretend I am. And when you were doing your interviews, you never pretended to really be an investigator, but now here you are, you're, you're an actual investigator what made that change what what you know to leave that room to go out into like the woods yeah to look for something but even if you don't find like what you're looking for there's still dangers out there you know like what 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 made that come to fruition so to speak um one would say i'm mentally held back (laughs) no i i uh i i did that stuff before podcasting on weekends i would hike around the woods i would go miles off trail and i was just i've always been an adventurous type person in spirit uh podcasting when i first started podcasting uh one of my good friends dave groves he uh had a bigfoot encounter in pennsylvania western pennsylvania he was in my group. He was one of my admins, just a good friend, right? When we were talking about me doing this podcast, we were, you know, he's let letting me talk and dream a little bit. And I told him, I said, dude, imagine one day if I could turn this into an income and my full-time job would be to hunt for Bigfoot. And he's like, that would be amazing. Well, I forgot about that whole concept over the years because you're so focused on podcasting, you become a podcaster. And then um, and then I was uh it was a progression. So I found these YouTuber guys uh, that I think they make fake videos, but golly, they're entertaining. Right. I love them. Like, Who like are they? can you say it or no? Yeah. Um, his one guy's Mo Sarji. The other guy is Omar. Um, I think his channel is Omar TV or something. They got millions of subscribers. Uh, but if, if they, let's just put it this way. Almost every video they put out and they put out multiple a week. Almost every video they put out would be a grand slam interview if it if it happened and somebody told their story on my show and they're just always putting out amazing content uh, and, and just eventually you just start you're like these guys are faking they have to you know at least at least you know they're going into these places but they're, they're, I think they're they're you know putting it on a little bit um, and if they're not awesome I I I, w- I would love to talk with them right well, what do they fake what would they be faking the experiences that they're filming so like they, like for instance like, Mo please. Mo, Mo, um, he, for, he had several videos, like he had this, it was just this concept that this, this demon Tom followed him around. And so like, he would go into a basement of an abandoned house, start doing a Ouija board. And then all of a sudden you hear this banging upstairs or you, the, the, somebody's walking upstairs and there's nobody in the house. Uh, his friend, um, he came over and became a, into a trance and he turns around and his friend's gone and he's looking all over. He can't find his friend anywhere he goes out to an outbuilding outside and his friend's standing in the corner of an outbuilding facing the wall he oh, shakes I I've seen that. yeah so yeah so like so like i mean entertaining i love it 
I love it, right? But I, I, I personally don't think it's real. If it is real, awesome. I'm not knocking them because right. I, I, I really, really enjoy their videos. I watch them whenever I get a chance because it's fun. I really enjoy it. Um, and if it is real, gosh, guys, like get on my freaking show. Uh, so that said, watching their videos and being super entertained, I was like, these guys have a really good thing going for themselves. And I started thinking, I want to do this, but I want to do it for real. Like, like I want to, like, I'm not going to go into a basement of a house and do a Ouija board, you know, all that stuff. I don't, I don't believe in doing that, but I, I wanted to, I was, I wanted to, you know, go and, and, you know, look around for, you know, put myself in these environments and, and do this like action vlog type type of thing. Cause they're all doing their own filming. So it's not like there's a camera crew they're filming themselves. So you like, you see them turn the camera and they're, they're talking to the camera. So you see their face and they turn it around and, and you, and you, they're showing you where they're at and stuff. And they, they, they chop it all up. And so they take like a whole night of an investigation. They turn it into like a 30, 45 minute video. So you're getting all the highlights and in my opinion, manufactured stuff. Um, and so, uh, I was like, I want to take the way that the, the way they do this, the, this action vlog and do it myself, only not fake it, you know? So like, let's see if we can make something that's entertaining, uh, but real, you know? And, uh, and so I was like, okay, let's try that. And I figured we could do urban exploration. We can go out in the woods. We can do abandoned buildings, all that stuff. Uh, so I, I, my first thing I did was, uh, uh, an abandoned industrial park that's 10 minutes from my house. It was just a random moment thing where I, um, I, my brother kept canceling on me. And so I, it was, it was a Wednesday afternoon at like three o'clock and I was just like, screw this. And I grabbed my camera gear. I just went and, and I, 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 I parked my truck in, in, in a playground, like a, not a playground, like a baseball field and stuff where they do baseball games. And then I walked down the road and, and, and got into this, this private property complex and it's like 15, 20 uh, industrial buildings back there that are just completely right. abandoned. Is they that the water... one where you had, where it was like a lot of uh, like vegetation had grown? Yeah. Place? And then yeah. It, it, I think, I don't know if it was your video, but it had like a, a hole with, with a, it said hell on it or something. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. That was crazy, dude. You were by yourself? Yeah. Yeah. You're nuts, dude. <laughs> I told you I'm a little <laughs> mentally held back. Okay. I wasn't even thinking about like it being dangerous. I was just like, it was a Wednesday afternoon. It's beautiful out. And I wanted an adventure. And so I went and I go in and I'm walking down the road and I, I'm, I'm just filming things. And I could, one of the first things I came across was that, that hole in the wall that, said hell and so i investigated that a little bit i didn't go in but uh i wasn't gonna go in I, I wasn't i told myself you're not going in a building unless jack's with you you're not doing that alone uh and so which i almost did anyways but uh i, I turned on the night vision on my my camera and i'd suck it in the hole and stuff and it was just a fun thing right so i'm at that hole and all of a sudden in the distance i hear these motorcycles Wah! and i'm just like what was that and all of a sudden they're louder and they're coming my way. I was like, Oh, I was like, there's not supposed to be anybody back here, you know? And I, I'm in the Philly area. I'm like, is, are these like, is this gangs? Is it drug dealer? Like now I'm thinking, cause I'm already walking through there thinking I could come across a homeless person, you know, a drug deal, a dead body. It'd be a great place to stash bodies. Yeah. And, uh, and so like, I was like, crap. And so I hid behind the bushes on the staircase. They go flying by 
and I, I continue exploring. I can hear him go way down the distance to these other buildings. And uh, I'm, I'm doing my exploring and I hit this like intersection where the, uh, the, uh, the, these two roads intersecting and there's a building on each corner. And uh, I forget what I said, but all of a sudden I hear in the distance, the bikes and they're coming. And I was like, crap. And you just see me running and I'm, I'm, I'm booking it. And I dip behind uh, some bushes and I'm, I'm just like, I, I was behind the bushes for like 20 minutes, but I cut it down to like, I don't know, three to five minutes. Right. Um, but there were people walking around on this really? road right out on the other side of these bushes. And I'm just like, do they know I'm here? Are they looking for me? Like I, I, I have, you know, two cameras on me. Each one was over a thousand dollars. I was like, I'm not trying to have smoke with anybody right now. Right. And, yeah. and I realized at that moment, I think it was that moment. It was the, yeah, it was at that moment I realized I forgot to bring my gun because I left in such a a, a, a mind. I, like, I was just like, I'm just going to go and go on an adventure, grab my cameras, put them in a bag, and I'm out. I said to the wife, I'll be back for dinner, you know? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so in that moment, I, I'm like, oh, I don't even have my gun on me, you know? No protection, yeah. No protection. And I'm the kind of guy I don't leave my house without a gun, you know? But because I... I had my bag of cameras, which is something I usually don't leave my house without. Or I usually don't leave with. I felt I think I, I, my brain was just like, I got everything, you know, I got this thing. It, you know, it just didn't make sense. To me. But anyways, uh, that was a fun situation. And uh, it was a fun video. People liked it. People said I was I was crazy for going alone. Um, I, I said I said when I was hiding behind the bushes, I'm like, and I have this blue shirt on. It's so stupid. That I wore a blue shirt because it's going to stand out. And people are right. like, never wear a blue shirt. Always wear camo and browns. Right. And of course, you know, the logical side says, of course, you know that. But in the moment I was wearing a blue shirt and I'm like, I'm going to go explore. It's so that's it, you know, um, very unprepared. Uh, but it was fun. And then we did a video where we went to uh, the Michaud State Forest, me and my brother. And uh we found out that there was an old World War II prisoner of war camp in the middle of the woods. And it was one of the very like so almost every state during World War II had prisoner of war camps, uh, but very few had interrogation camps. And this was an interrogation camp. And so I'm like, when I'm finding it online, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. You know, like I'm trying to find the scary haunting stories. There's none. And I'm like, dang it, like I got to have some kind of angle because my goal was going with these videos. Like I want to go to areas where there's multiple storylines, like there's Bigfoot in the area, there's Dogman reports in the area, and there's a there's a POW camp, you know, and we're going to explore the POW camp because I know I can show that. I, I, I'm not guaranteed to have a Bigfoot encounter, but if I go to uh, the POW camp and explore that in a hot zone of Bigfoot and Dogman settings, now we got an environment that's that's entertaining for video. And um, so that's why I was like, okay, we got to go there, but what's my angle? Like, cause I'm not going to make the angle Bigfoot hunting at a POW camp. I could, but I didn't want to do that. So I'm reading around online about this stuff and I'm trying to find somewhere where they're like, and the Americans would chop off the Nazis ears if they didn't say something right. None of that happened. At least, at least according to our maybe adjusted history on our end of things, like supposedly Americans, we didn't torture the soldiers that we caught. Now the Japanese and Nazis did, but supposedly we didn't. So I'm like, dang it! Like this is like a freaking day camp, and, yeah, <laughs> and you're not, not finding anything. They nothing. Nothing. So yeah. I found, uh, I found eventually a, a, an angle though, because it turns out in these interrogation camps, 
after a Nazi soldier was interviewed by the Americans, if they if, if when they go back to the, their cell where I guess it was like a group holding area, uh, area, if the other Nazis felt like this one soldier was too forthcoming with information, they would kill them. And so I was like, that's my angle. Because now I can say I'm going to a, a, a POW camp from World War II where Nazis killed Nazis. And I was like, perfect. And so we went. We did this. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, we, we, I was doing an EVP session where I was just getting hits on my K2. And I had turned my, my camera off so it wouldn't interfere with the K2 meter. My brother was still filming with the night vision. And uh, as soon as I turned my camera off, we hear a Bigfoot howl off in the distance no never heard anything like that in my entire life before in person i heard it on recordings that's why right. i knew what it was and i look at my brother i'm like did you hear that and he's like i heard it i'm like do you think we caught on, on audio and he's like absolutely we had this discussion i i asked him that and he said absolutely we get back to my truck and it turns out before we went out that night he we accidentally dropped the camera and I looked at the camera and it was filming fine. It seemed fine, but it also was dark out. So I couldn't see real, real good. Turns out the, the uh, cord going from the external mic to the camera snapped. And so we didn't catch it on audio. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like I'm never going to have an experience like that again in my life. Like it's so hard to have that experience and we didn't catch it on audio when we're out here trying to film for this stuff. I was like, what are the freaking odds, man? I was right. mad. Heated. So was, was the, was it close? Did you feel like that? That it was close? No. Or no, it was not close. Uh, I would say it was probably about a mile or two away um, based off of, uh, I don't know, based off my opinion. <laughs> it okay, just so like, when you mean a howl, was it like what you would hear on like Finding Bigfoot? Was it like elongate, like long? Yeah. So like it, it like, kind of like, you know? yeah, it kind of howled out. It was just like this, like, ah, like it was like that. It was uh -huh. long. And then it dropped off real hard. It's just like, ah, and then there, there was, there was a second or two. And then there was a response. It was just like, ah, it, but it was, it was like a weak response. It was almost like something was dying. It was just like, ah, and that was it. And I was just like, crazy. I was like, what the heck? And so amazing night right. video would have been a million times better if we caught it on audio. Uh, it turns out we were out there for two, two plus, no, three, I think it was four hours filming with no audio and we didn't know it. So I had like, we had like the next morning we went to the ruins and we filmed ourselves talking about what happened that night. And I overlaid us talking with the actual footage, right. saved the video, but it wasn't the greatest. So those were the two first Legion of Legends videos. Now those are no longer considered Legion of Legends because of what I just did in Kentucky. So going to Kentucky we were going to do Legion of Legends. And I, I, I had a film that what was, what was different about this though, is I had two guys who were professional videographers coming to right. do the filming. Well, before you get into that. Yeah. Kentucky, right? Yeah. It's a very like, I don't know if weird is the right word. It's got everything. UFOs, Bigfoot, yeah. goblins, whatever. And you mentioned Hellier. And I saw everything that they've done so far, that group. And it's very intriguing. Uh, I have an, uh, an, a, a former acquaintance that used to live in Kentucky. Kentucky's, there's something magical. I, I don't know in a good way or a bad way about Kentucky. But you going there, like, I was like, wow, man, that's, he's going to get something. 
Like I I know I know you you were gonna get something. Like something was gonna happen. So go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Do your thing. <laughs> well, uh we we went and I brought two videographers and my friend Joel from Van Tesla and we we uh, got a cabin and we investigated for a week this dog man and we went deep in the woods we found tracks uh we had experiences and um it was it was an interesting week okay we we had helicopters coming in on us which was interesting black helicopters yeah well I'll let Ward answer that because he he's I think he said to me last night that he did catch one on video. Wow. Uh, I'm not sure if it's making it into into the documentary or not. I still haven't seen the documentary, by the way. We're dropping it soon, but uh, Christian March is 11. Yeah, yeah. The, for the VIPs, and March 25th is for the public on YouTube. Okay. But um, so like Christian is the one producing the whole thing. Um, but we had. Uh, and this is where I said earlier, unless you remind me, I forget things. There are, there are things that happened that week that I forget about until somebody says, I'm like, Oh, that's right. That was, that was interesting, you know? Um, but we, we had very interesting things happen that week. And, um, I'll tell you this, the quality of what we're about to come out with is why what me and my brother did for Legion of Legends before cannot be associated with what we're about to do now. They have to be two separate things because this trip, what we, what the, the angle we, our, our groove that we found on moving forward with future trips, the team that we have and how we're going to be producing things is on such a high level that I would not dare bastardize it with what I did with my cameras in the woods, filming myself trying to be right. It's not, it's not on the same level. Not the same. Yeah. So me, me and Jack got to come up with something, a new name for it. Yeah, I still want to do that. I think it's entertaining. It's an entertaining format, but it's not documentaries. This is a documentary. And um, both Christian and Ward, Ward used to film for uh, Glenn Beck at The Blaze. Uh, Christian has done stuff with Discovery Channel, History Channel. Um, these guys are professionals, you know, and they have told me on multiple occasions that they believe that we have something in quality of, of quality of content whether you like what we came up with or not, right? the quality of what we're offering, they think is something that this industry has never seen. And, 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 we, and we're doing it in a way where the camera guys are part of the team. The camera guys are part of the story. Uh, they're not just the, the, they're not the guy, they're not the guys standing there that nobody wants to acknowledge is even there. Right. Like I'm finding Bigfoot. You got them in the back right. and they don't, you don't even know who they are. Like, it's like you're able to see it because of the cameraman, but we're not going to talk that they're even there because it takes away from the the edge. We integrated it all. Right. They, like, like Christian was, was seen on video. Ward was seen on video. Now, most of most, Ward was probably least seen on video because he shot most of the video, but he was part of the story and, and, and his opinions. And and we just it was it's this team of guys, cameramen. Joel is like a stuntman, like 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 Joel, like. If we need somebody to hang off a cliff, that's Joel. He's going. He's going to go do it. You know, um, it's just we have this crew of guys that it, it, it's like, what do you need? Let's do it. And uh, like the eighteen, yeah. Like I'm telling you, yeah. That's a great. That's a great right. uh, analogy because everybody um, has their special talents that they bring to the group, right? And and and, and they overlap at times, and right. it's just like 
it, it's my A team. And so like what we're, what we're about to come out with. And like I said, I have not seen it yet, but right. I trust these two guys who've been doing it professionally for a long time. When they tell me it's going to be really good. Right. I believe them, you know, um, watch it be a dud. I'm like, Oh, you guys lied. Um, and, well, um, when you, when you show us the dog man that you sat down and had dinner with and everything, then, you know, yeah, I, I, if that happened, um, <laughs> I would have talked about it by now. So. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Yeah, um, <laughs> but we're planning uh, more trips. We're we're planning on doing. I think our next one is going to be doing Skinwalker Ranch. Um, uh, we have a lot of big trips in mind and planned. So uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But this is a documentary format, uh, right. but it's done differently, and I'm really excited about what we come up with. I think. As we do more of them, they're going to get better and better. Uh, we're 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 already uh, brainstorming on different things we can do uh, on the next ones that kind of just give it more of an edge. Uh, but we we did, man. Like we went to Daniel Boone for, National Forest. We investigated during the day. We went out at night. We went to hot spots at night where we had bizarre things happen. Right. Uh, and we we put out stakes, hanging stakes from trees, trying to bait this thing in. Coyote urine, coyote dead coyote howling sounds, trying to lure these things in. You know, and, and, and uh, did it do its job, so to speak? Did we didn't have to. Looking back, I don't think we had to. I think it was already there. It was already so, there. Well, something was something was there. Okay, so so you had an encounter. I don't want to, obviously your, your things coming out. I don't want you to spoil it. You're not going to, I know you already It's like, no, I'm not spoiling it, but, um, you encountered something. Your, your mission was for the dog man, but you encountered something. It could, could it have been something else? It could have been, Other but it could have been dog man too. Right. So, I understand. Yeah. so like, um, my brain has changed a lot on my perspective of what these things are over the years. And I do think that they're, they're metaphysical. I, I, I believe that. Correct. I, I really do. And so what are they we, related? Are they related to Bigfoot? Do you believe? I think that they come from the same place. No. Yes. Yes. No. <laughs> Maybe. So I, I think are, that are, are I, they, are they physical? Do you believe they're physical or they, or not just or are they physical and something else? I think that they can be. I think that they can be. I think that there are chimeras that are created by the government. And uh, I think that there and I think that the government gets this idea from something else that actually happens. Uh, I think that there is. The sci science tells us there's parallel universes. We know that CERN is. Well, it's strongly theorized that CERN is opening portals, right? Right, with the Hadron Collider. We, right. Uh, we, we know that there are people who are in schools of mystery saying that when they go to, go to learn how to do witchcraft, one of the things they're taught is how to open portals. And I've heard reports of them opening portals and upright walking dogs walking through. So th these things are can be physical but i think they're metaphysical as well uh josh turner i don't know if it's his original idea but he suggests that he believes that the longer they're the, the, in this realm the more physical they become uh and so they become a part of this world yeah the longer wow. they're here right okay. and and so interesting concepts but one thing is for sure i don't think that they're just 
uh, oh, it's just a species that walks upright. No, right. I don't think that's the case. Uh, I, I used to go with that angle because I didn't really think the way I think now. But the more I've learned, the more I'm like, yeah, there's more than just, oh, that's a hairy ape walking around the woods that we can't keep up with. And, oh, that's a dog that walks on hind legs that we just can't keep up with. There's more to it. Um, and so uh, what we experienced, uh, I think, was on the metaphysical level, but also the physical level. Right. And uh, I, I I say we. I didn't experience it. My two, two of my guys experienced it, Joel and Christian. I was going up a hillside with Kyle because Kyle wanted to take me to, uh, he thought there was a water tank up on the hillside where the government put it in these like man-made little ponds so that wildlife could drink out of that. So they don't have to go to the big lake where the hunters are and get, you know, basically eradicated. (laughs) So the, um, we're going up the hillside and my team all of a sudden we hear, get back down here, get back down here, come back. I'm like, what? I'm just like, let's go. And we go down and stuff. And they're like, did you hear that? Did you hear that? I'm like, no, what? And they're like, you didn't hear that? I was like, no, what? <laughs> and then they they told me what they experienced and what right. they went through. And I was like, are you, oh, okay. And, and Kyle, after hearing it, goes through a PTSD episode. He's having a breakdown. And in the excitement, Hopefully we can keep our wits about us better next time. But in the excitement, Christian or Joel, one of the two suggested that they go off alone around the hillside to try flanking this thing and pushing it back towards us. And I go, that's a great idea, guys. (laughs) After, after we had the conversation that we do not split up, right? We had that conversation earlier that day. That's a rule. And and, and what do we do? We're, We're like, Sounds good. I look at Ward and he's like, and Ward's the cautious one of all of us. Like, and and we took a vote and Ward's just like, like, okay, you know? So they go off alone. And then we realize we didn't give him a walkie. So we have no communication now with them. And I'm just like, what are we doing? You know? And then, so Ward winds up flanking up the hillside in front of us. And me and Kyle are standing on this path. And Kyle is looking off now he's he's calmed down now um Kyle won't be out there at night he was showing us around during the day he's like you guys are on your own at night good luck you're stupid for doing it um and so he's calmed down and he looks off in the direction of where this incident happened and he says do you see that and I was like no what and he's like that light right there I'm like I don't see it and he's, he's kind of pinpointing it to me. And he's like, look at this branch. And I finally see it. There was a light, broad daylight. This is not nighttime, broad daylight. Ward's walking up the hillside. This light is on. My other two guys are flanking it around the back. And me and Kyle are standing there looking at this little light in broad, sunny daylight. There's no trash out there. None of that, you know? We're deep in the Daniel Boone National Forest. How, how deep are you, would you say? How many miles? At least there? four miles. Okay. At least four miles from where you, where your vehicle is, right? Where you well, guys, we, right, right. Oh, yeah, exactly. So we're deeper than you know four miles, but like we're four miles away from our truck, right? And um, and there's this little bright white light that's on, and then it's just gone, and then like five minutes later, it's on, and then it's just gone, and it's, and I'm like, he's like, it's eye shine. I'm like, 
and I, I'm like, I, that ain't eye shine to me, man. Like, I, I don't that, that like I have a very hard time with eye shine because I'm like, unless these things are illuminating light, like what, right, where's this eye shine coming from? Because eye but, shine usually is seen at nighttime with a, right, with a source yeah. of light projecting towards that thing. And, and it was just one light. And, and the way I describe it to everybody is uh, it it looked like somebody had a small LED flashlight they were flicking on and off. What color? Just like a, like a white. Just a white, white a little light. white, wow. just a very little white light. And so I go over and I'm like trying to pinpoint where this light's coming from. And I'm right at where we could see it. I couldn't, I, I had no idea where this light was coming from. It was just gone. And so eventually uh, my crew comes back around and uh, they had their own experience while they were out there uh, that was affecting them physically. And um, it was very interesting Then we went at night. And um, when they were hanging the, the bait, me and Christian were filming in night vision on the hillside. And uh, they had a very similar experience from earlier in that day, that night at the same spot. Um, so, so they felt ill, like sick? No, no. The, the, the initial experience that sent them, sent them off around the hillside, yeah. they had a very similar experience that night. The same, so, the same they, they, they felt physically ill, uh, like something was wrong with them. They, were they feeling sick? Yeah, I think uh, I think it was Christian or I can't remember. One of them uh, started feeling sick uh, and and almost like I think uh, heaviness in the chest or something. I don't want to spoil. I don't. I don't not spoil it. I don't want to speak for them because I I, I don't remember all the details. Yeah. Um, Usually, when Bigfoot like sightings, people will say that they feel sick and they think that it's because it's infrasound. Yeah, that is giving off to kind of drive a person away. You know. And that's if it was a Bigfoot, it could have been Dogman, it could have been something else. I mean, like I said, I don't want to, I don't want you to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it for anybody else. Well, I mean, that definitely could be something to it with what they experienced. Jack experienced that with the Bigfoot howl. He, my brother, Jack doesn't believe in Bigfoot. He doesn't believe in Dogman. He thinks he's a skeptic. He doesn't believe anything exists. And so when we, when we were at the, the POW camp, we hear the Bigfoot howl right after that he got real sick. Like he started, he's he, like, he wanted to throw up. He didn't tell me in the moment, right? We get back to the truck and I have my camera on. We still don't know. We didn't catch the audio. We're excited. <laughs> I, I, I forgot that I had my camera on. I set it on the dashboard. So you, I'm still rolling so you can hear the conversation. And, uh, he says to me, he's like, man out there. Uh, when, when we heard that and stuff, I got real sick. I started getting upset to my stomach and I looked at him. I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, you should have told me, dude. I said that, that that's very common. He's like, really? And I said, I broke it down to the infrasound and stuff. And he's like, wow. He's like, yeah, I started feeling really sick and it took a while for it to go away. And, uh, and so that does happen to people. Uh, but yeah, Kentucky was a very interesting experience, man. Uh, we, we had, uh, like I said, we found tracks. Um, we, we went, we went up on this rock, like this, like rock mountain hillside, uh, deep in the woods the one day and we're sitting there and I have this uh, coyote call blaster and I'm blasting it out over the valley and stuff. It's just like this like dying coyote. Right. And um, let's just put it this way. After I did it at one point, something came crashing through the woods in our direction. Whoa. And I mean, it was just like, we all just broke our necks looking and love we're just charge, like, love charge, man. We were waiting. We were like, here it comes. Ward has his gun. We had the guns ready. I'm just like, yeah. 
Christian, make sure you get this on film. We're, it's about to go down. Yeah. We're going to become the legends. You know, <laughs> like, we are legion of legends. You know, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a bluff charge to me, man. Dude, it it was it was just a very it was fun. It was exciting. It was scary. It was it was an experience. And did you, did you cast the tracks? No, no. So that's one thing that we, we need to do moving forward is have stuff to cast with. We didn't have that. Right. Uh, but I, we wouldn't have been able to cast anyways to cast. Right. Uh, but what we, it, we, what we found was on our first day at Kyle's second encounter location, we found a print that could have been a cat or a canine. It's one of the two, right? But... If it was a cat, first of all, according to Kentucky, they don't have mountain lion. Okay. They don't, now, I don't, big, they don't have big cats. There. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Just like I don't believe it for Pennsylvania. I know there's, there's mountain lions in Pennsylvania because I've seen pictures of them. People have sent me pictures of them. Uh, same thing with Kentucky. But if this was a cat, it would have been one of the biggest cats in the Pacific Northwest that it's out there. So those cats out there get 200, 250 pounds and they're big cats. That's the size we're looking at here. A very large cat. And they just don't get that big on the East coast in this area. They just don't. Right. It was a very big print. And um, we also heard before we found that print, we, we heard uh, something crashing through the trees, like heavy, not like a deer prancing, this was heavy crashing uh, trees. And so it, it just, um, Kentucky has a lot of mystery. The Daniel Boone has a lot of mystery. And I'm going to find it. I'm so, find so it man. You're, you said your next thing is Skinwalker, but why, why not continue to do research there if you're already getting... Because we want to do everything, man. We want to, we want to do everything. You know, like oh, we'll, so go back. we'll go back. Okay, so you will come back full circle and come back yeah, and do it for sure. Okay. Because I, I mean, I, I know there's an underground system there for sure. I mean, hell, you're exposed that part. Yeah. So, so yeah. like, here's the thing. I mean, like, like I don't want to do Kentucky because then all I do is build an audience that expects Kentucky all the time. Okay. I want to do everything, and so like we're gonna travel all over the country, hunting legends. Uh, and most, most often than not, it'll be things that we've heard on the show or direct stories from the show. Like when I go out to Skinwalker Ranch, we're actually staying as of right now, if I can find a way to get on the ranch, we're doing it, but, uh, we're going to be staying on the property right that butts up to the ranch. And it's the reason why that is because I interviewed the guy who owns that, that, that property and he invited me out, you know? So like it's, it's, it's tied with the confessionals where it's like, we're going out hunting for the legends that we heard about on the confessionals now. And so like, it, it's just, and, and it's, it, it's bound to evolve over time, but that's what we're doing right now. And it's, it's, I'm telling you, man, like I feel very confident in saying that with the talent of my cameramen and the talent of the team, we are going to have some really entertaining stuff. And as we do it more, we're going to get better at working together yeah. and the concept and, and, and knowing what we want out of the project before we even get into it. Like this was just like, we went, 
built team chemistry, got to know each other, and at the same time, film stuff without a storyline of what we were going for. And it's still awesome. Well, if we well, the encounter, the experience made its own storyline, right? Would you agree? For sure. For sure. And that was the basis of everything why we were going. Episode 335, Dog versus Dogman of the Confessionals. Uh, Kyle, but, right? Yeah, Kyle. But but Christian, he one of his greatest talents is seeing the overall story and vision of the project and, and tying it all together. And so moving forward, knowing that now, he's going to him and him and Ward are going to tag team that. And we're going to go into Skinwalker Ranch area and they're already going to have ideas of of how the final product's going to look, you know, barring an encounter with something. Right. Just like you go in planning, OK, odds are we're not going to have any experiences. So how can we make this entertaining and show people that we were out there trying our best to have something happen? Right. They have this very high talent of of drawing this storyline, the, the picture of what we're doing out there in an entertaining way. And if anything happens outside of that, it's just going to magnify it already. And so I, I'm just I feel very confident in saying that this team is going to put out some really, really cool stuff moving forward. And uh, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, it sounds awesome. You said the VIP part drops March 11th and then March 25th, it's available to everybody else. Yeah, on YouTube, the Confessionals YouTube channel, it'll be available to everybody uh, on March 25th. Now, this is the first and last project that we are going to release that will be have any point in time be free for anybody uh, because it's expensive to do these trips. And so we need it. So this first one, the reason why we're doing the VIP is to generate income so that we can afford to do the next trip. Because in all honesty, I spent over $5,000 on the Kentucky trip. I paid for everything and I can't keep doing that. My wife will divorce me, you know, like she'll gone. See ya. Okay. I'm going to go find a doctor now. So like, uh, I got to watch my step. So, uh, um, (laughs) so I, uh, we're we're doing the VIP hoping to raise income. It's $25 to become a VIP. And then you get two weeks early access where we air it live to you on, uh, on my website, Merkle.media. It's www.merkle.media, no.com. And, um, if you become a VIP there, you get access to it on uh, Friday, uh, March 11th at 9 p.m. We broadcast it live. And then as long as I can work out the technology right side of things, we'll be going live on video to do a, a live Q&A. And uh, I think we can work it out, though, one way or another. Um, but uh, and then two weeks later, we go live yeah. on YouTube and that's going to be free. Uh, and the reason why we're, we're, we're not putting it on Amazon is because I want people to see what they're, what, what they're going to be getting in the future. If right. you like, if you like what this is, you ain't seen nothing yet. Right. And so, you. so, uh, but I think moving forward, we're exploring different platforms, uh, but we're probably leaning towards Amazon just because of the, the, the ability to have exposure. But there is a, a website that I'm really thinking about. It's called Lore TV, Lore.TV, L-O-O-R. L-O-O-R.TV, you said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Word actually has a docuseries coming out on that platform right now. It's called Dark Holler. So uh, it should be coming out in March. It's called Dark Holler, Dark H-O-L-L-E-R. Uh, and it's about this uh, high strangeness in uh, in Western Kentucky with his family who had possessions and just very bizarre stuff. And he he has this whole story. Um, so people can check that out. Is that connected they, with the Hellier guys or no? Is that separate? No, no. Ward, Ward is the complete opposite spectrum of the Hellier people. 
Uh, Ward is a very deep theological Christian. And so you're never going to catch him in the middle of a seance like the hell your people. <laughs> so, 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 and the great thing about it is, man, like I'm a Christian, uh, Ward's Christian, like my whole team. And I didn't mean it to be this way, but my whole team turned out to be Christians. And so we have this same theological conviction and perspective on things that is going to be a different uh, take on this industry where, yeah, you're not going to see us do certain things that maybe you're used to seeing other people do. Like if you want to see somebody do a seance in the middle of the woods, go watch Hellier. We're right. not going to do that. We don't do those things. But we, but we, there's so many other things we can do that's going to entertain you, but also bring other perspective. Uh, it's just, it's really cool. Um, and uh, I'm really excited to have Ward's uh, uh, Dark Hellier drop. And then obviously Legion of Legends. Uh, I I'm going to have him on my show and we'll probably release it in April. But I'm going to have him on my show talking about Dark Holler and stuff, even though it had already uh, dropped at that point. Um, I told him, I, I, let's just, I, I personally want to focus on Legion of Legends. And then once we drop Legion of Legends, I'll bring you on and we can talk about, about Dark, Dark Holler. Um, but yeah, I, man, I'm telling you, man, we got a cast of talented, talented people. Uh, and it's just video documentaries is just like the next step for me, man. And I, I just, I'm, I'm blessed that I have, I stumbled into this crew, like Ward contacted me last year about dark holler and I was interested in it. So we had a phone call conversation, hit it off for like three hours and we just became friends and Christian came out to my, my live show I did in Houston in 2019, introduced himself to me. And then he emails me saying that, you know, he does uh, filmmaking and he's a treasure hunter. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Like we should keep in touch because I love treasure hunting. I want to hear about your journeys and if we can have you on the show and promote your stuff. And then I text him because he texts me throughout the years saying we should do something together. We should work together. And he's a treasure hunter though. And, and I'm, I, I text him and I'm like, you want to hunt a dog man in Kentucky? And he's like, I'm there, you know? <laughs> and so, so like this was out of his realm, but he was willing to come. Same with Ward, like and he's never did this before, but Ward actually is, uh, he, he also is a, a self-defense teacher, tactical training. So like I had a guy who is like my security expert on the team at the same time as a cameraman, Joel, I had no, I, like I had a team of guys that I was planning on bringing and one by one, they just started dropping out last minute. Like I'm three weeks away and I don't have a team other than two cameramen. I'm like, I don't know what the heck we're going to do. And so I, I was like friends with Joel from uh, having him on my show and uh, everybody should check out his music, by the way, Van Tesla. Uh, and so. Van Tesla, right? Yeah. Like Van, Van Halen and the group Tesla. Like Van Gogh and Tesla. Only oh, it's right. Van Tesla. Um, but uh, so I reached out to him and I'm like, Hey man, like, I don't know if this <laughs> is up your alley, but would you feel like coming to Kentucky and hunting a dog man with me? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, absolutely i will when you know okay, cool, cool, cool. So, so i'm like okay i was i was shocked because i really didn't think he'd be interested because he like his music is more like let's talk about the global cabal and the way you know that they're controlling our minds kind of music he like like he doesn't really talk about this kind of stuff so i just assumed he really wasn't into it i was wrong because i didn't know he had a tattoo of an, a big alien on the back of his arm oh, and like, oh. yeah he's like he's like all about that life and so I was just like, okay, so these these three guys come with me. My brother was supposed to be there, but he had a ba ba uh, bail out, and he's the only one that I'm keeping on board for the next project because his blood, and I, be I, I believe in him. Um, so we go and do this, man, and it just happened, man. Like, the chemistry was there. Like, I, like I'm watching it unfold around me during the week, and I'm like, this is my team. Like, 
I accidentally found the best team I could have had. There's like, it was just perfect. Uh, every, there, nobody came in with egos. We were all humble. We listened yeah. to each other's advice. That'll like, kill a group. Ego will oh, kill Oh, for group. sure. Like, 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 listen, Ward is very clearly obvious, the most uh, proficient with guns and self-defense of all of us. Head, uh, heads, head and shoulders above. And if I was egotistical as the leader, I'd be like, no, man, I, I, I'm going to this, that, and the other. I let Ward take that. I'm like, go, man. Like, what do you want us to do? How should we do this? What do you think the tactics should be? You know, we had group discussions, group voting. Uh, and, and, and I'm not the most experienced with tactical training. Uh, my shotgun that I brought, I had gotten earlier last year. I hadn't even had a chance to shoot it yet. I, right. just, I brought it because I needed guns, right? Fresh um, out the box. <laughs> fresh out the box. And I could tell it was making Ward nervous. And I said, Ward, dude, like, I'm, I don't need to have a gun. If, it, if you think that, that have me having a gun without the experience of shooting this gun is, is making you a little nervous, you, you run the back. Uh, Joel, with his gun, can run the front. And me and Chris can run the middle. You know, and, and, and it was just like very uh, self like I had a gun. I had my handgun, but I mean, in reality, that's not going to do much. But I had a gun on me. But like I was I was like I was willing to leave my brand new gun cabin <laughs> for the betterment of the team, you know, and that's the attitude we all had. Christian is one of the most um, selfless people I've ever met. And, and so like, it, it's almost like, you're like, Christian, what do you really think, man? Just tell me, just, just say it, you know, like, 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 he's just like, he's just so laid back. And so same with Joel and Ward, it, it, it's just, man, like I'm the most charismatic outspoken person of all of us. And because I'm the leader, I'm like that. And I'm willing to humble myself and, and, and say, I don't need to do this. If it's going to make everybody else uncomfortable, everybody else just follows suit. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. All right. So tell me your, your Merkle media uh, website again, because you, you, you said www.merkelmedia, but there's no dot anything. It's just Merkel Media. Yeah, it's Merkel.media. Merkel.media. Yeah, so I mean, you can put in Merkel.media or you can do www.merkel.media. Just just no dot com. Gotcha. I got you. So, so the media is the dot com. Gotcha. Uh, That's what I was trying to. I want to yeah. make sure because when somebody listens to this and they want to go on, they don't get confused. Um. I wanted Merkel. I wanted Merkel dot or I wanted Merkelmedia.com, but that was taken. And I'm like, well, where? I, I don't freaking You're like know. You're like the only Merkel I know. Uh, right? Like that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, so uh maybe Angela Merkel, the president of Germany, took it. Uh, but uh talk to your dad. He may have a secret yeah. title you don't know about. So uh I, I just I saw that my options were like dot co dot net dot org and I was like dot media. I was like dot media. I am Merkel Media. Merkel dot media. Perfect. Perfect, bro. You can't beat that, man. Yeah. All right. So I've been listening to your show for about a year and a half. And you've had a lot of guests on there, but some of my favorites are Dark Waters, of course. Uh Jamal and Kai yeah. with the dog man story. So talk to me about like how you got them and, and uh, like some of the best stories that you've heard from them. Like, cause to me, like those hit me hard. There's another story too. Um, I don't know what the guy's name is, but he's the one where he was a little kid and he put his hand into the tree, but it wasn't a tree. And he felt the fur of this Sasquatch. It's in your yeah. intro. Yeah. Yeah. That one was crazy too. I, I don't know who that was, but uh, let's start with like dark waters. I mean, how did you get a hold of dark waters? 
He's like the so, Barry White. He's like the Barry White of paranormal. He's got like yeah. a voice, you know. He's <laughs> oh, so, all right. Dark Waters and I are friends, and uh, the way we became friends is is supernatural. It's it's bizarre, man. Just like there's been a lot of supernatural things that made my show what it is today. And Dark Waters is one of them. Uh, I was driving truck and I was at a delivery and my phone rings and it's a number I didn't recognize. So I let it go to voicemail. And then I'm still doing this delivery. My phone rings again right away. And same number. And I'm just like, what the heck? And so I, uh, I, I answer the phone and there's somebody talking on the other end, but it's not a person. It's somebody else's voicemail talking to me. Like it was like I called somebody's phone and got their voicemail. Only they called my phone. And when I answered, I could hear their voicemail. And so I'm like, what the heck? And then uh, I get in the truck and, and I was just like, that's so bizarre. I get a text message and the text message says, or no, how, how does this go? It's been so long since I've uh, I've told this story. I think I I I got a I got a phone call again. I think that's what it was, and yeah, that's what it was. I I got a phone call, and uh, I answered because it was the same number, and then it was somebody on the other end, and it goes, "This is Dark Waters. Who's this?" And I'm like, "Yo, this is Tony Merkel." And he's like, "Why are you calling?" No, he didn't say, "Why are you calling?" What did he say? He's like, really? And I was like, yeah, man. Like I said, your phone called my phone. I, I was like, I was like, you called me. And he's like, no, you called me. And I was like, no, bro. Like your phone called my phone. When I answered, I could hear your voicemail. And he's like, all right, Ben, I'll call you back later. We'll talk about this. And so like uh, later that night, he calls me and we talk about how he tells me that my phone called his phone and his phone on my end called my phone. We didn't have each other's phone numbers. At all. Oh, like he, he didn't have, he didn't have my number. I didn't have his number. I knew of dark waters and I was just talking to Wes over at Sasquatch Chronicles about dark waters, like a week or two before about how I wouldn't mind talking to him on the show, but that I didn't have his number. And so it, of all, like if you have this weird glitch that what are the odds that even happens? And then it happens to two people in the same industry. Yeah. Like, like what are the odds of that? You know? And so like that was it was so bizarre how we got to we got connected because that night we went up talking on the phone for a few hours about, you know, uh, Dogman and Nephilim. And, and we just got to know each other. We became good friends because we have a share a lot of the same opinions. Um, and so. We became friends and it took probably, I'd say, another year or two until I actually had him on my show for as an actual guest. Like I had him on for a roundtable discussion and things like that, but um, I had him on the show. I think it was like the week after Kyle or something like that. And um, we, we talked about, you know, dog man and stuff, but like uh, he talked about these, uh, these storms, I guess went through Louisiana and they cleared out a section of like river or something that was inaccessible at one point. And so these, these people in Louisiana were, this is recent, recently, apparently um, these people were going down into this area. They never had a chance to go and explore before. And there were these reports of giants being back there, like people laying eyes on these giant humans standing like the size of trees, looking back at them kind of thing. It, it, it was a very, very bizarre, interesting experience. 
So I, I think I called it Swamp Giants or something like that. The episode, right. something like that. And then uh, Jamal, uh, this guy, man, he's got stories for days. So Jamal, yeah, yeah, Jamal. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. I get him and Jose confused all the time, and I can't remember their stories to identify which one his stories were. There's Jose, who I had on three times, and I think I had Jamal on three times. Right, but Jamal, wasn't he part of a tribe? But so was Jose. So Jose as well. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the, that, that, that's the problem is that I, I can never remember their stories distinctly because they're both Native American, right. and, and they both were on the show several times with bizarre, crazy right. experiences. What if they're uh, the same people? They're not. They're not. <laughs> that if they if they were, that would be crazy. I'd be like, I was duped. But then everybody else would be duped because I, uh, you know, I I wasn't the only one that got caught. With, right, like, right, right, that. right. Let me see here. I, I'm trying to look it up on the website. His uh his episodes, if I can. Um, but yeah, I mean Jamal. I I remember Jamal and Jose both were very impressive to me. Uh, I just can't ever remember their stories distinctly. Right, because they probably sound very similar and they probably intertwine in some sort of way yeah yeah the kyle story is the one that that recently because i know i i where his dog gave essentially gave up his life to save him that yeah. was a crazy story can you just talk a little bit about that yeah so i mean with with kyle uh he reached out and he sent us an email with his story and i'm gonna tell you straight up it was the most well-written email we've ever gotten Usually, I, if I get a long email, I either don't read it and Lindsay reads it for me and tells me what's in it or, or I just skim through it because I'm not the quickest and the most smooth of readers. And if you write if you write something that in in word in Microsoft Word is 25 pages, bro, like I just need bullet points, you know, <laughs> uh, but his was long, but it was so well written. And as I'm reading it, I could feel my, I literally was getting closer and closer to my computer screen because I was like, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? How to have this guy on. And it's rare that people do this. Most people, when they email, they give the phone number as well. And usually we email them back. This guy, I would have called right away and he didn't leave his phone number. And I'm like, oh. So I emailed him back and I'm waiting weeks and I'm not hearing anything. I'm like, that's not going to happen. And I think I was like on Instagram live and I was talking about this guy and this email. I was on my mind, man. It was like weeks later. And that night I get an email back from me. He's like, oh, sorry. I hardly ever check my email. I would love to come on and talk with you. So we scheduled it and he comes on and he tells this story, man, that just, it was the most terrifying, jaw dropping, heart wrenching story we probably ever had on the show. Yeah, uh, it's what took me to Kentucky and I don't, I'm not driving to Kentucky for nothing, you know? Uh, but he, he was 15 years old and he was uh, a coon hunter and him and his grandfather went out one night with the two dogs and his grandfather had to stay in the truck, bad health. And they had two way radios and they let the dogs loose. The dogs get on the scent. They take off. He's, you know, keeping up with the dogs and following the house. And he's going through the woods and all of a sudden, him and his grandfather at the same time heard coyotes, a pack of coyotes coming in. His grandfather gets on the radio and says, do you hear the coyotes? Yeah. Get in there before the coyotes get there, because if they get there before you, there's going to be a fight. And so he didn't get there in time. 
and there's well, a, a fight, fight with, with the dogs and and the and the coyotes, coyotes. right? Right. And, yeah. are, and I don't know nothing about coyotes, but are they known to attack humans? Uh no, no, they're terrified okay. of humans. Yeah, okay. they're terrified of humans because you know most states they're nu considered nuisance animals, and you can you can kill them as much as you want. Right. Uh, so so they they got it. Most most coyotes are. If you see a coyote just chilling and walking up to you, it's probably sick. You might want to get away. Uh, probably, right. probably right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyways, so there's a fight between the coyotes and the two dogs, and there is Jake and Bo. Bo was a younger dog learning how to hunt. Jake was the veteran dog. What also, type of dog? What type uh, of they were they were coming some kind of hound, probably a coon hound. Um, okay. I I really don't remember what kind of dog. Uh. I don't remember, but they were hounds. Um, and Bo, Bowen, they get in a fight, and then Jake it, locally was known like that dog was known as the best hunting dog anybody had. Strong, big, good at hunting. Um, when this fight happened, Bo, the younger dog, he he could hear Bo run away, scared, just crying. So now jake's by himself fighting off these dogs and he does because they came in one at a time it wasn't a pack at one time they came in at one one at a time so when he fights off these dogs he goes back to treating the raccoon because he, he had treated raccoon and he's howling and um the coyotes come in again as a pack and kyle said he could hear them them whooping up on his dog and then he hears Bo come back in and the fight changed he hears this other dog come in and the fight changes. The coyotes run off. He comes on the scene and his dog, uh, Bo is, or not Bo, uh, Jake is howling and, and treeing the raccoon. He comes over and he pats him on the head. Good dog. And he hears what he thought was his other dog, Bo on the other side of the tree munching down on a, on a, on a coyote. So he walks around the tree and he said when he walks around the tree, he lays eyes on what he at first thought was going to be his dog. And it wasn't his dog at all. He said he, he what he saw was the biggest dog he ever saw in his life. He said this dog was so big that it was holding uh, a coyote's rib cage in its mouth. He said this thing was huge. And when he came around the tree and it locked eyes with him, it saw him. It just like it like stopped. And then it stood up on its hind legs. At that point, he takes off running. And this thing chases after him. Now, I don't know if it chased after him because it wanted to eat him. If it was an instinctual thing, I don't know. But his dog, Jake, came in and going after this thing. And this thing like just kind of like pushed him off and just kept going. Uh, and then his dog, Jake, comes in again. And at that point, this thing grabs Jake and just just throws Jake through the, the trees. And, and, and he said he could hear Jake like just smacking and, and, and he's like, that's it, man. Like Bo's dead or Jake's dead. Like, like it, it sounded like Jake died. And um, he, I think he said he tripped over like a tree or something. He wound up on the ground and this thing comes in and it's like on top of him. He said it was, it was so close to him that he could see down the back of its throat and he, he's, he's going to die. And, at that moment, his dog, Jake, one last time came in and broadsided the side, the side of this thing. And um, they they go at it and he gets up and he runs. And as he's running away, he hears this thing just tearing his dog to shreds. Just, I mean, just ripping it to pieces. And um, the other he, dog is, 
is scared somewhere, right? No, yeah, he's he he's gone. He never came back. So so when what he thought came was the other dog coming back to fight was actually this dog man thing. And um so he he he's running back to the truck and uh I, I almost feel like he said he fired off around when he hit a clearing, but maybe he didn't. But he's calling for his dog, come on, Jake, come on, knowing there's no way Jake's coming. Jake's dead. And um, he gets back to the truck and he tells his grandfather, go, go, go. And he's like, what happened? And he's like, just go. And on the way back, he tells his grandfather what happened. And his grandfather told him that uh, he said, listen, you need to understand that. Granted, you have to understand that that Kyle was 15 years old with his grandfather. And his grandfather told him there are things in these woods that you're not going to understand and you need to come to terms with that. And if you don't come to terms with that, you're, you're, you're not going to be a, a long time hunter. And so he's like, what the heck are you talking about? You know, they go back that night and, and he said, and his dad, his grandfather said, you know, we'll come back out and look for Jake tomorrow. And he's like, there's no point coming back out to look for Jake. Jake's dead. Like I heard him. He's dead. And he said, if, if Jake did what you say he did for you, you owe it to Jake to come out and look for him tomorrow. And so the next day they go out, look around all day long. They don't see Jake anywhere. So it's probably like uh, lunchtime. And his grandfather takes his coat and lays it on the side of the road. And they go back to the house. And the reason why I did that is so that if Jake was out there, he could get the scent of the grandfather's coat and they could come back that evening one more time and maybe find Jake or Bo. And um, they come back, they're looking, they can't find him anywhere. And they're getting ready to head out. And they're driving down this, this, uh, it's like an old logging road, you know, like it's just, I was on the road in Kentucky. I've, I've been on, the, I was on the well, road. You were you know? on that one road. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. We didn't make it back to the attack site because we okay. got too, it got too late in the day because we hiked so far in Kyle can't be out there at night. He will not be out there at night. So we had to be able to make it back. So Tony, uh, okay. So you, you hear this story about this attack mm-hmm. and then you have this idea that you're going to go out there to hunt the same possible same thing that attacked this dog and this dude kyle I, i'm mentally held back so you, you mentioned that earlier I yeah i forgot that yeah <laughs> i just want to clarify i just wanted to clarify yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> you're not the only one that thought i was crazy uh everybody did but um anyway so so this road i can i can personally describe this road it's a very remote it's not two lanes. It's not a road. It's no pavement. It is a like a logging road that comes to a dead end. And I've been to the dead end where his grandfather parked the truck that night where Kyle got out to go into the woods. Um, so they go out that night and they can't find him. They, they, they picked up the coat. And as they're driving down the road, getting ready to leave, uh, his grandfather stops and said, look, there's a dog. And so he, he's like, it's Bo. Get the leash. Go out and get Bo. And so he goes out and as he gets up to, to the dog, he realizes it's not Bo, it's Jake. Jake survived the attack. And he oh. said that his, that his ears were, were like shredded noodles. Like, like he was beat up. Like, like Jake didn't die, but Jake was going to die. You right. know, like it was that kind of injuries. Right. Well, they take him back to the house. His grandmother turns out to be, uh, like basically the local vet, like she wasn't a vet, but everybody brought the animals over if they needed her to nurse some kind of thing. She nurses him back to health and Jake lived to be an old dog. Uh, never was quite the same of a hunting dog, but he lived to be an old dog. And, um, and Bo's gone for two weeks. 
two weeks later, there was a local, like, uh, I don't know, like lumber shop or something yeah. that, that Bo turned up on and they saw on the, on the, the collar, the number, and they called the number and they came and got Bo. Uh, okay. so yeah, they got both dogs back. Now, uh, there's more to Kentucky and Kyle where his grandfather, when he was sleeping at his grandfather's house, when he was a kid, the one night he fell asleep next to the window and his grandfather picked him up and put him in the middle of the room. And the next morning he asked his grandfather, why did he move him the night before? And his grandfather said, so the slew foot doesn't get you. And he's like, what the heck? Like a slew, a slew foot. Why? You know, because like he thought a slew foot was a bear because there's an old bluegrass song talking about the slew foot and it was a bear. So he didn't understand why a bear would come in, reach in and, 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 and grab him like his grandfather said. Well, it turns out years later, as he got older, he found out that the original lyrics to that bluegrass song wasn't a bear. It was an upright walking dog. So the slew foot was an upright walking dog. And when you listen to the lyrics of the song, it makes a lot more sense because they talk about the slew foot jumping 90 or uh, jumping 30 feet. No, it's a. Uh, it, yeah, it's jumping 30 feet, running 90 miles an hour. That's not a bear. No. But that's a supernatural upright walking dog for sure. Right. And so um, the, there's, a, there's this, this history there. Uh, and, you know, one, one day he, he was supposed to stay inside when it was snowing. He saw his grandfather out on the property tracking something. And he goes out anyways. And his grandfather was tracking slew footprints. And he's like, you know, let's get back in the house. You're not supposed to be out here. Right. But yeah. But the dog man slew foot is uh, ingrained in the culture down there it, 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 to the point that they don't look at it as supernatural. Kyle looks at it as a, a physical creature. Now, I will tell you, and I think this is going to be in the documentary. Uh, when we left Kentucky, something showed up at Kyle's house. And it wasn't a dog man. It was something else. And he didn't see it. His kids saw it and they started talking about it in front of him later, like a couple of days later. Right. And he's like, he's like, he told me, he's like, I don't talk to my kids about this stuff. I don't know how they even know what that is or what, what, what like, like describing this, this creature kind of thing. And when he asked them about it, he's like, well, were you scared? And they're like, no. And he's like, why? And they said, because it was staring at you the whole time. There was something that showed up at their house and looking through the window at Kyle the whole time. And so I'm sure. With him. Huh? And like some sort of maybe connection with him. Yeah. I think that taking him because he never Kyle had never gone back into those woods after that day. Like, like he like he he never went back to that location until we went with him. So I feel like something followed. Something followed. Like there was a dormant. Right. Like it was like it was like the, oh the prodigal son returns. Right. So Welcome. the kid described it as the, maybe a dog creature, or they just didn't know what to. It was not a dog man. I can promise you, it was not a dog man, and it was not a Bigfoot. It was something else. Wow. And uh, uh, bro, Kentucky man. Kentucky man, I'm Kentucky, telling you, if, uh, there is so much mystery. I am so excited to move to Tennessee. I cannot tell you how excited I am because I am going to be in the Knoxville area, not far from the Daniel Boone. I could be at the location we were at before in four hours where it's the last time it took me uh, 
It took me, I think it was like 10 or 11 hours to drive there. I could be there in four hours. I can be in the Daniel Boone in an hour and a half. Like, what's the history of Tennessee? Like, as far as like paranormal, like I I I, I know uh, um there's certain hotspots around the world for UFOs, blah blah blah, but I don't really hear that much about Tennessee. So I I mean I don't know a whole lot. I'll I'll learn more. But there's the the Smoky Mountains that have just a ton of mystery in it. All right, the Smoky Mountains are mysterious. Weird things happen in the Smoky Mountains. Partly because I think there's a deep underground military base somewhere out there. Dumb. Uh, yeah. Sure. I think I think that there's probably about two or three of them in Tennessee, from what I've I understand and kind of looked around online. Uh, there's the history of um, of the Civil War, which has a lot of hauntings. Uh, and because Tennessee is right below Kentucky and where I'm going to be at is in a in a pretty much direct up and down straight line from the Daniel Boone. Things don't know state lines and these mysteries go in between. I right. think same mysteries that happen in Kentucky happen in Tennessee and West Virginia as well. This, 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 this area. And I'm just like, like, I'm not going to lie to you, bro. Like I'm moving to Tennessee because uh, I wanted to be more centralized for Merkel media. I wanted to uh, have cheaper living. I wanted to uh, have a different type of culture around me society wise, but I also wanted to be, a lot closer to these crazy things happening. Right. Like, like it was a big, it, it was a big lure for me to move to Tennessee is that there, these things are actively happening there and I want to be in it. Right. So I, I'm, I'm packing up my wife and my kids and I'm moving them to, to monster monster land, you know, like right. my son, he's four years old and he's right. like, the idea of Bigfoot is just like the idea of a bear to him. He's like, yeah, Bigfoot. You know, like, like he's not normal and I almost feel bad. I hope he doesn't get teased too much, you know, <laughs> but you, you're moving to Tennessee for that, for, the, for that reason, but you're also moving to Tennessee because we had a conversation about the changing of this world. Yeah. The mindset, like the overall mindset of the human race. Can you get into that? Cause I, I know you don't only just do paranormal. You kind of also do conspiracy. This kind of runs along the line of conspiracy, but it's not really a conspiracy because we're all seeing it and being affected by this change of energy that's going on the last 15, 20 years. Yeah, and especially the last two years has really picked up. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a prepper. I'm an everything man. And uh, I'm a self-described dystopian futurist. And I do view that differently than a conspiracy theorist. Um, all I do, I, I'm less, I'm less interested in JFK. I'm less interested in even uh, 9/11, which I'm very interested in. Uh, I'm more interested in looking at the world around me today, in current times, looking at the culture, looking at society, looking at the direction of, of governments, and projecting where that's going. And my brain is a very pessimistic, dark place to be i'm not very fun at parties i don't have very much i don't have high expectations for society i don't have a very bright look at the future uh that's why i call myself a dystopian futurist i look at the world around me and i don't see anything good coming our way and i think i've been right pretty close <laughs> up to this point so i live in the philadelphia area and i look at where i'm at right now culturally society wise do I want to be 
in a highly populated area when it all goes down? No, I, uh, I, I live, the county I live in is about, I live about 45 minutes from center city, Philadelphia. And the county I live in has over a million people in it. The county, 45 minutes away from Philly. Right. Uh, that's too many people. And when this all goes down, I live in a neighborhood. It's an older neighborhood. There's a lot of houses though. And when this all goes down, can I expect that my neighbors around me are not going to want to pillage my stash of prepared food? Probably not. Because when people are put, when their backs are against the wall and they have kids to take care of, they're going to do things they never could have imagined themselves doing. I agree. I agree. And, I, and I can't even blame them. I mean, other, outside of shame on you for not preparing, right? Um, but I can't blame them because I would do the same thing. If I, fa- if, if I find myself in this area and, and say we have an EMP attack and the whole system goes down and, and it's chaos and, and somehow somebody or a group of people come in my house and they take all my food out. At that point of desperation, my next move is to go steal food from somebody else to feed my family. That's just facts. I'm not going to sit there and watch my kids starve because I don't want to steal from somebody. And so I don't want to be in that kind of position. And so I wanted to go to an area that was more uh, secluded. I don't want to be alone because when you're alone out in the, out in the, uh, out in the boondocks or uh, out in the wilderness, if you're alone, you're easy to conquer as well, right. especially with rogue military. So say we have a rogue military. And they, it, you just your house out in the middle of the woods, that's easy. You're an and easy you, target, right. And now, and now your wife is subject to all kinds of abuse from, you know, probably 20 guys that are rogue. You know what I mean? So you want a community. So I was looking for a place that politically is very gun friendly and uh, a place that is uh, more rural, but not alone. And that's why I, I headed, I'm heading to Tennessee because uh, it, it checks a lot of boxes for me. And, um, you know, like I said, there's tons of reasons why I'm going to Tennessee. But if we're talking about the dystopian mindset of what I think is coming, that, that I, I, when I said to my wife, we're moving to another state, the first thing I said was, uh, we're moving to a state that has no state income taxes because I want to save some money since I'm self-employed. Um, and, and there's this list of things, right? But when it got to uh, places that I'm thinking, okay, so now does this place check the box of, can I have sustainable living here? Now we're checking boxes or now we're tossing states out the window on certain ones. Like I think New Hampshire was one that, that has no state income taxes, not happening. Washington state, not happening. Right. So it got down to Florida, not happening one, because uh, it's a melting pot. So you don't know what your neighbor's going to be like 10, 15 years from now. Uh, and on top of it, I don't like alligators and I don't like pythons or whatever they, those giant snakes that got down there. They, they, pythons, yeah. Yeah. Not happening. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I, know, I know. I know you're Yeah. And, and, and uh, yeah, have fun during July and August, my friend. Okay. Yeah. It, it's really, it's just a beautiful, nice, not humid at all. Dude, place. I hate this fucking thing. <laughs> I blame my wife. She doesn't want to leave. I want to leave so bad. Tennessee, bro. I'm telling uh, you, I'm gonna, it's gonna, I'm gonna plant the seed tonight. <laughs> yes. So, so, uh, ten, uh, Florida's off, right? Um, Texas, uh, the gun culture, very strong, but, um, it's awfully large. There is a border issue there, and there's a high influx of people politically that are moving there that never would have thought about moving there. And I'm not guaranteed what that place is going to be like 10, 20 years from now. So also, 
they lacked the physical natural barriers that I was looking for as well, like the Smoky Mountains. Correct. And uh, and so then I was looking at not in these orders, by the way, but that I narrowed it down to four states. Um, and then there was South Dakota, which checked a lot of boxes, uh, less than a million people statewide. So I would have space. Uh, checked a lot of boxes, but the one box that it, it, it checked that we didn't want it to check, that was more of a problem for my wife than me, 50 inches of snow a year. Not happening. Like my wife was like, absolutely not. She gets, you know, and I get like this too. You ever had that seasonal depression where it's just it, like, say you have a week of like rainy, like misty rain type days. You kind of get sad, right? Yeah. When, when the winter time comes, her and I both kind of get like the seasonal depression. And uh, so 50 inches of snow a year, dude, like uh, winter time, I'd have to be spending in Tennessee just, <laughs> you know, I know what you're so, saying. Yeah. So we went to, we decided Tennessee checks all the boxes uh, for the most part. During the summertime, it gets pretty humid uh, on the on eastern Tennessee because of the uh, the Rocky or the I keep saying Rockies, the Smoky Mountains. There, it gets kind of humid where we're at, uh, but it gets humid in Pennsylvania too. It doesn't have a whole lot of snow, and it checks so many other boxes. Uh, we were able to uh, get a house uh, with a little bit of land. I'm going to be uh, getting uh, some as soon as I get down there. The first thing I'm doing, probably within the first week or two, I'm getting chickens on the property. I'm going to get a chicken coop. I'm going to build a chicken coop eventually, but to start out, I'm just going to buy a prefab one. Uh, I'm going to get probably about five to six chickens should be plenty for my family. Um, I'm going to look to grow that population of chickens over time because uh, a great way to make sure you're not stolen from is to have enough food to supply to other people. So are you going to gate your area so that predators don't come in? Yeah. So I'm going to, I have a lot of different, uh, um, ideas hang on a second my my wife just texted me something i just gotta make sure she's okay we're, we're um, almost done brother we're, we're almost okay done. we'll wrap this up soon oh no she's just no she just asked me do i want anything from the ice house yeah. restaurant place i don't want anything anyways um so what was i saying oh yeah the chicken so so i'm gonna have uh obviously fenced in this so they're, they're the chicken run can they can it's fenced in it's gonna have a roof over it all that stuff um the way i'm gonna uh, initially it's not gonna be like this i don't think but when i build it uh, I'm going to have the chicken wire come down to the ground for the fencing on the wall, but then I'm going to run it under the ground, probably about 15 to 20 inches out. And then I'm going to pile dirt on top of that. So when predators come and they try digging in at the fence, they're just going to be met, met with more fence that they're standing on top of, yeah, you know what I mean? So, kind of, yeah. in, so in, in, giving them the outlet, uh, outlet into your group. Right. And uh, I'm also going to uh, put up an electric fence around the edge as well. Uh, so I'm going to do what I can to prevent it. But actually what, what I'm going to do, with that, that nobody else is doing is I'm gonna put electric fence around the edge in the bottom there uh, so that, you know, foxes and things like that. But I'm also going to put one on top too, because I'm aware that there's Bigfoot in the area, unlike other people. I, so. I was just going to ask you that. What if you, what if, what if you get a Bigfoot, man? What do you do with yeah. that? I mean, <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, I mean, if Bigfoot wants it, he's going to be like, ah, he's going <laughs> to take it away. He's going to yeah. get his chicken. Um, but uh, I'm going to get more chickens. Uh, and then I'm also uh, once I get the, the the initial chicken coop set up and I have my ch- my starter chickens, I'm going to get uh, I'm going to start building my greenhouse and I'm going to start growing food year round. And uh, I want to grow food and I want to grow a lot of food and I want to have so much food that I possibly can't consume it. And people know that they can they can come over and, and get some bell peppers and tomatoes off me at any time. 
and right. I'm not going to charge them for it. It's it's just it's it's surplus, you know. Or the community, right? Yes, I, I I want to take. I've always been like this. I like taking care of people. I like helping people. That's why I'm doing Merkle Media in Nashville in a, or not Nashville, Knoxville in a way where uh, it's going to be so attractive for other people. They want to be a part of it because I want you to be a part of it. I want to give. I want to help. I want you to succeed because if I'm friends with you and you succeed to the point where you get bigger than me. Now you can pull me along when I pulled you along. A rising tide raises all ships. And that's a philosophy I ride with. Um, so we're going we're gonna to do the greenhouse because I can start growing things in that house while I'm building the greenhouse. And um, I'm also going to uh, look into setting up, and I don't know how exactly I'm going to do it yet, but I know it's obviously possible, a, uh, a, a water harvesting system. So when it rains, the rainwater isn't being wasted. Uh, I'm going to collect that into, uh, you know, 50, 50 gallon drums, uh, maybe even totes. You know, uh, I can use the water system to feed the chickens, uh, to to plant, to um, water the plants in the greenhouse for emergency water supplies, all that stuff. And this is stuff that I, I, I don't know how to do, per se. I'm going to learn how to do. I've never had chickens. I've never built a greenhouse. I've never built anything. Uh, I I've never collected water. I have a, a water barrel outside my house. I never hooked up to my water spout to collect water. It just sits there. You know, it looks good, uh, you know, but I, I've, I've never done these kind of things. But you know what? At some point in everybody's life, they haven't either. And they figured it out. And uh, way the, my motivation is to survive and prepare and take care of my family and those in my life, the community. And so that's my motivation. And it's such a deep seated desire in me because obviously I want to take care of my family and I'm naturally the kind of person I want to take care of other people that I'm going to do this. And just, just like I told people I had a, me and my dad got done filming or uh, recording for Hammerlay legends two years ago when the COVID stuff started happening, we were probably like in April, probably at least no, no later than April. And him and I are talking. I got on a FaceTime phone call with my dad, my mom, my sister, my brother, and we're all talking. I told them all, I said, listen, this is going to get crazy. And if it gets to this level of crazy, I'm out. I'm leaving. And I, I highly suggest you guys figure it out now to leave as well. It's not going to be convenient, but I'm out. And uh, I told them that almost two years ago. And now I'm out. And I, I, to, I, told my, I told them that two years ago. And my dad, like a month ago, uh, when, when, I, when I told him, like, you know, we, we're, we have the house getting ready to be scheduled to be put on the market and all that stuff. He came down to recording. He's like, you weren't kidding. You really are leaving, aren't you? And I was like, I am leaving. I am leaving for real. Okay. I'm out. So like, uh, and it's just because I, I believe in this and you know, people can say, Oh, he's crazy and stuff. Right. Listen, you you're crazy. How's that sound? Because like it, me preparing for an emergency is not crazy. That, if, if you think that's crazy, that's you saying, there's never been a time in human history where an emergency happened where people wish they would have stocked up on food. Like, you don't think that can happen today? We just saw Russia go into Ukraine. Ten years ago, we've been like, oh, the odds of that happen. We're civilized now. Yeah. You know, like, like, yeah. you know, like 10 years ago, there's no way the world would think that on a collective level, we would see our governments working together against the people. But we see that. And so ain't nothing off the table. Right. I, and I'm not underneath a, 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 this, this idea of an illusion that through my preparation, I'm safe. At the end of the day, the government can come in and take everything away from me and I'm left with nothing, period. That's it. 
I mean, uh, there's things called ESG scores. It's it's it is a it is in America. It's in the United States, and it's a social credit score being run through the banks. If you aren't a good boy and you don't meet certain criteria, you have a lower ESG score. If your ESG score is too low, you can't get certain loans, mortgages, and that's for businesses. And if you as an individual shop at a business with a low low ESG score, your ESG score goes down. It gets lower. If your ESG score gets too low, you might start seeing credit card companies cutting you off. You might see your own bank that you have your money in say, we're not doing business with you anymore. That's where we're going. We've seen this happen in, in Canada recently. We saw it happen on an individual level three, four years ago with Alex Jones. Like yeah. bank, banks stopped doing business with Alex Jones. And so they're doing it in other countries too. Yeah. So like, like we've seen this happen on, on certain levels and with the, I'm telling people right now, if you don't know about the ESG scores, you need to go look into it. It's very real. I can tell you right now, Wells Fargo is participating in ESG scores. I have my money in Wells Fargo. And as soon as I get to Tennessee, I'm putting it in a local credit union where I'm a member and I have a say of what they do. Because right now, if you just go on uh, DuckDuckGo. Go ahead, do Google if you prefer that, but I do DuckDuckGo. You go on DuckDuckGo and you just type in Wells Fargo in the search engine, Wells Fargo ESG. Within the first one or two links, you'll see a link and the, the URL is wellsfargo.com. You click on that and it's them talking about how they're participating in ESG. This is a very real thing. What does it stand for, ESG, do you know? Environmental Social Governance. So it, it's so if, right if you're there. a business... If you're a bit, yeah, if you're a business and you hire people who live uh, two hours away from where you're at and they commute two hours because the pays through the roof. And I use that example because I, I used to deliver to a place in Westchester, Pennsylvania that hired um, they, they, they dealt with chemicals. And so their forklift operators that loaded the trucks were making just on straight time, $40 an hour. Wow. And anything over eight hours a day was time and a half holidays was, or no, no, no. Anything after eight hours a day was double time. Holidays was triple time. Weekends, triple time. And so like these dudes make boatloads of money loading these trucks because it's high-end valuable chemicals and you pay people enough, they care enough. So there are guys who live in Cape May, New Jersey, who drive two hours to get to work they have apartments in Westchester they live at during the week, and then they go home on weekends to their family. That company is going to have a very low ESG score because they're harming the environment by having their employees commute two hours to get to work. If a, if a certain company does not toe the line on a social level, on some kind of social justice level, right. they're going to have a lowest ESG score. And that's where this is it. This is that's where the ESG comes in as environmental, social, and governance. I forget how the breakdown is with governance, but you get the idea where this is at. It's yeah. very, it's very social justice warrior ish, yeah. and um, and so like that's implemented now through the World Economic Forum in this country right now, and so it, it it's not being done through the government government. It's being done through the banks, and that's how the government gets around it. They're allowing. They're allowing the banks to implement the social credit system so the government doesn't have to. So the banks are, are, are controlling the money and the, through the ESG scores, because they're all getting on board with this, they're going to control who gets the money. And so I do project, and I hope I'm wrong with this, but because I'm a dystopian futurist, 
I do project as a full-time podcaster who retrieves his money through online transactions, I think in the next 10 years, probably eight years, I will be cut off from earning a living. I believe that. Wow. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I hope but you're I, wrong too. <laughs> you but know, I, unless we do so, unless we stop this through, through education and understanding, and that's why I'm bringing it up and even talking about it, because unless we stop this, we are all screwed, period. Yeah. And so uh, the, we, ha- we, we saw it happen in Canada. They just cut off certain citizens from their bank accounts. Canada was running underneath what? The slogan of build back better. Who did that as well? Joe Biden. That was his campaign slogan. Leaders all over the world last year, no, two years ago, uh, were, were running underneath this, this campaign. You were seeing it everywhere. Build back better. And it was, it was Joe Biden's slogan for his campaign. Like it was a calling card to the World Economic Forum. It was through the World Economic Forum that that came to be through the Great Reset. And uh, ESG is part of this. So when we see that Canada, who's part of the World Economic Forum, Trudeau is, uh, and and he, he was using the slogan Build Back Better, and he cuts off people from the banks, though it's not going to be done the same way in this country, we already have a system in place to cut people off from their money through the ESG score social credit system, which is it, it mirrors a lot of what China does with their open cre- social credit system. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in, in, in my dystopian, I told you I'm not fun at parties, like very bleak <laughs> hey, future. You'd be sitting right next to me. We'd be ha- having drinks, talking it up, man, while everybody does their own thing, man. Right, right. While everybody points at us like, look at those crazy dudes. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I'm just telling people, uh, anybody listening right now, if you think I'm crazy or if you believe me, even if you believe me, just go look it up. It's not hard. Just right. if I, you're, I know you're scared. What I just said, I know it scares you. And I know that there are some people who have the inclination when they're scared of something like that, they tend to run away from it and not look at it because if they don't look at it subconsciously, it doesn't exist. You got to run from that feeling and run into the information. You need to be prepared and educate yourself because ESG is happening. It is here. It's been here for about a year and a half, two years. I talked about ESG on my radio show uh, in the beginning of last year. Right. It, it, it's here. It's operating. And if you don't understand it now, you will be befuddled, lost, and totally gone, not understanding a thing of what's happening to you a couple of years from now. When everything goes crap and you're like, how is this even possible? It's possible because of ESG. And if you don't know about it now, you're going to be totally confused two years from now. So I, I talk about it when I can so that I can prepare people and maybe get people on, on board with this because if enough of us, what here's, all right, so what do we do, Tony? Here's what you do. You find out if your bank is involved in ESG scores, BlackRock. If, you, if your money is going, to ESG, is going to a bank with ESG scores, take your money out and put it in a local bank, a local credit union, something like that. And when you take your money out of Wells Fargo, like I will be in about two months, when you take your money out of Wells Fargo, you don't just take your money out and close it. You ask to speak to a manager, or if you want to be anonymous, you write a letter and you tell them exactly why you took your money from them. They need to know why you don't have your money in their institution anymore. And if enough of us take our money from the banks participating in ESG scores and tell them why we're doing it, at the end of the day, I believe that is the only way we can stop this because money talks. If we take our money from them and say, we're not giving you our money because you're participating in this 
uh, social credit system that's going to kill this entire world and country, maybe we can we can stop this. But other than that, dude, we, we're living in a, in a time where world governance is conspiring against the population all over. I don't know how we stop this unless we all get on the same page as the population. There's more of us than them. Right. But until we all get on the same page to do something about this, it's going to be scattered brain messes everywhere. We're going to have pockets of people thinking this over here, pockets over there. And when we're not organized and together, we're dead. Right. We're, and that's where we're at right now. Off, yeah. the, the information doesn't flow. And, you know, you got people that are scared, but most importantly, you got people that don't care. That's the, that's the bad part. What are your thoughts on crypto? Ah, man, uh, I like it. I like crypto. I don't know much a ton about it. Uh, my brother's into it. And, you know, I have like, I, I bought like a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin once, uh, like, like a year or two ago. And it's like at 1600 now. Um, I, I, I thought about investing more right now because uh, if so, with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, if they if they if they uh, cut Russia off from the SWIFT system, which is the ability to have international wiring transactions with monetary things. So basically, if they cut them off, Russia can no longer do any kind of wiring of money outside of their country. Right. If that happens, you're backing them into a corner. Right. So I think what if that happens, what could happen as a result is that probably China as well, but definitely Russia would take all their money, dump it into Bitcoin because then they can transact that way. Right. Uh, so they have no choice. That's the right. they yeah. have no choice. So I do I, I have been kicking around the idea because I, I I it it's a long shot, far fetched kind of scenario, but I was like, man, if Russia puts all their money in Bitcoin, that thing is gonna go up, yeah. up, up. Like yeah. you know, my thousand dollars will become probably like thirty thousand dollars overnight, you know. But um I don't know, man. I, I don't know a ton about uh, crypto. I don't I don't know how it all works. Uh, but I do think that there's something to it. Uh, I think that it's going to become much more relevant in the future. The more we get into a virtual reality living state of, of existence uh, with meta, uh, the, uh, with the um, metaverse that you know, yeah. Zuckerberg is trying to build. That uh, alien, that alien dude. The, the yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, he's he's a clone. Um, <laughs> so I, I think in the future, people are going to choose to live in of a metaverse type environment uh, than this reality. And I think they're going to make life so hellish for us that we're going to run to it. And there is going to be a, a whole new economy in it, um, opportunity to make money in it. There's going to be, I, I, I've, I've, I personally feel, say, Forget everything I just said for the last 15, 20, 30 minutes of how the world's ending. Mm -hmm. uh, say we can just kind of carry on as usual from here on out. I mean, it's just we can live, right? Yeah, it'd be right. Great. I, I would love it. Please, God, <laughs> please. It'd be great. You know, I'm, I'm finally doing something in my life. Don't take it look, away. Look us up, man. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, I, I think that one of my things I would do is I would set up shop in the metaverse. I would have a storefront so your avatar could come into my store and purchase my gear and you could clothe your avatar in the confessionals hoodie. And I'd probably have uh, the confessional sneakers and, and all of it, you know, I, I would, which is they're called NFTs, you know, so um, I, I would I would personally 
strongly invest in that in that area because I do think that's where we're going. In fact, I'm talking to some people right now where I'm like, I don't know what crypto is. I don't know what NFTs are. I don't barely understand metaverse, but I know it's important. So how can we make some money with it? You know what I mean? So like, uh, I, I think uh, in the future, if things just stay afloat, you might see me open up in a clothing line in the metaverse where you can buy some sick apparel for your avatar because you, you, maybe not you because you're of an older generation. Maybe not me because I'm of an older generation. But my kids, my kids' generation, right. they're they're going to be living in the metaverse and they're going to want the, the the sickest shoes for their avatar because they spend more time in the metaverse than they do at the in this reality where they consume food. They basically come out of the metaverse, eat, go back in, right back in. <laughs> take a dump and go right back in. Most of them will probably dump while they're on the metaverse, right. you know? Right, right. So <laughs> like, cause like, like, Mar like Mark says that he, he envisions this seamless integration where uh, eventually I don't believe you're going to be putting on anything. I think it's going to be in your brain. Um, but you, you say you put on these glasses and you see the metaverse with these glasses, but it integrates with this reality. So I see my computer screen here, but I also see this like this like digital screen above my computer that's not physically there, but I see it in the metaverse. And and he he projects that it's going to increase workflow and people will be working from home and they'll be more productive because they can do things in the metaverse and in this reality at the same time. He this like this is what he envisions, and it's kind of cool. Uh, but with that said there's a lot of cultural transitions that are going to come and uh, that's not necessarily going to be good. Uh, there's going to be, well, you know, listen, it, things change, man. I mean, my grandparents probably would like, would have been horrified to see me spending so much time in front of the computer. Oh my gosh. You're just, all you do is spend time in front. It's my job. It's what I do for a living, you know? And so like, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Right. I think maybe the transition will, will mindset will change as well with that stuff uh, for the future generations. Like, you know, when I was a kid, don't sit so close to the TV. It'll, it'll destroy your eyes. Right. Now, you know, we all as adults are like this with our phones, just looking at it, just looking at it, you know, and our, our kids are on iPads, you know, and it's just like people will be like, you know, you shouldn't let your kid be on the iPad so much. It's like, why? Like his future is on that thing. Like, like my children, they're not going to have the same opportunity as me economically for jobs. They're not. And most jobs are going to more and more transition to technology. So I'm not saying my kids should never go outside and play. What I'm saying is like the, this idea of this old school idea of an hour a day on PS2 or PS1, whatever it was, an hour a day on your iPad, it's not realistic. These right. kids need to be extremely proficient with the technology that's in their hands for their future. And so if you run off this old school technology or this old school philosophy of uh, you're only going to get an hour a day or an hour a week. I mean, that's that was common when I was growing up. Yeah. Like you're only holding back the development of your future, your child's future uh, in this world by doing that, I believe personally. And I got a four-year-old and I got a one-year-old. Uh, and that's just how I, I operate. I don't let them, like I discipline them. They, they're not on the iPad all the time, but I'm not holding them back from it either because it, they, they need to be proficient in this kind yeah. of stuff. And they don't need it. It's not like, well, they don't need to be proficient now. No, they don't. But I'm not going to hold back the inevitable as well. You know, And I think if, if we use it right, and we teach them along the way 
of the goods and bads of the technology. You know, like like no parents perfect. Like like you like you, Chris. You you I, I can guarantee you you really messed up sometimes being a parent, and you really hit home runs too. Yeah, like and the same thing here. So like and and everybody who wants to judge me for my philosophy on this stuff, you suck at a parent at being a parent too. Just maybe not the way you think I suck, but you suck too. And so like maybe you yell at your kid a little bit more than I than I do. Maybe you should calm down with that, right? And so like maybe you should maybe you should look at your child more instead of the TV when you come home from a long day of work. Yeah, you're tired and stuff, but maybe you should pay attention to your kid a little bit more uh, and, 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 they, they, and they won't you know, have the issue they have or whatever. So like we all suck at being parents at some point. So it's easy to throw stones at each other, but that's just my philosophy. Uh, I don't think that, it, I think it's inevitable that their future is in the technology. So I'm going to let them have a little bit more of it than I was allowed to have growing up. All right, man. So let's end it on a fun note because we got all serious. Yeah. <laughs> futurist dog man all this stuff um last question i have for you bro between you and your wife who is the bigger fan of the paranormal oh me (laughs) you trump her you trump her huh yeah (laughs) yeah i mean she she knows more right right she knows more she does all the reading she writes the blogs all that stuff but as a fan like of just just um organic pure interest yeah I'm, i i blow her out of the water she's interested and she's always been interested in stuff but just not like me did she come into the relationship with experiences of her own or yeah yeah she had we never talked about it because we never like th- this stuff was not part of our marriage or life until i started the podcast uh, maybe a couple of year a year or two before that when i was dabbling with the facebook group stuff but um yeah she like we never talked about this stuff it just really wasn't a conversation that we talked about until i started doing it more uh but yeah she had stuff uh when she was a little girl she saw a hat man um wow. red eyes looking at her f- f- through a hole in the ceiling different things yeah I, if anybody wants to hear her stories uh episode 3 she was on for all her stories. Okay. I'll, I'll, yeah. Cause I got in like, I think episode, like maybe you're at like 400 and something now. Yeah. Yeah. I got in like uh, maybe 200 or something. So I, I haven't been able to go back, but I, I'll check that episode out, man. Tony, you're, you're the man, dude. You're, you're a gentleman, intelligent. I uh, wish you nothing but the best. Um, if you need anything from me, let me know. Um, the show was awesome. Uh, send me uh, links to wherever you want people to go to so I can put it in the description once I release this. But uh, I appreciate you having me on your show initially. It was very cathartic for me. Um, I had done interviews with someone before, but it wasn't like live or it wasn't recorded. It was more like I told this individual story. They did a, they, they wrote, they typed up a story and put it online. What I did with you kind of, you know, helped me out through certain things. So I appreciate you for doing that. And for doing this interview, thank Lindsay and your kids for letting me borrow you for three hours. Yeah, um, man. Good and job. We get to talk again. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, just, just keep me updated on all your exploits. Okay. Will do, man. Will do. All right, man. Stay safe. Okay. Will do, brother. Stay sane. As sane as you want to say. <laughs> all right, brother. Peace. Later.